I'm Brent Schoonover, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Buy issues 11 and 12 of Ant-Man. You don't have to buy the rest. I didn't draw those. <laughs> Perfect. As in flawless. Yeah. No. You dap. You got people, ah. thousands of people hanging on you everywhere. Yeah. I got, I got ones of people. <laughs> You're married to it. Mm-hmm. Not it. I shouldn't say it. Her. She's not in All she's going to ask is, how is everybody? Yeah, how is Scotty? And then I'll tell her, and then she's like, yeah, okay, that's all I need to know. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, my boo. Yeah, oh, all right. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I was just wait. I was thinking that Jason would say something. Oh, the gin blossoms will go play over it. So, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Oh my god, dude! I, wait, that's so funny you say that. I'm walking to uh, work today, and the the one of the theaters in Times Square, gin blossoms were playing. They're playing there. They're up on the marquee, and I was like, did I get in the fucking hot tub time? <laughs> See, even the cat doesn't want it to be the gin blossoms. He's like, fuck no, no gin blossoms. Actually, this uh, I think this coming week is an evening with green jelly in my town. Oh my lord! <laughs> now, I would go to that. Yeah. It's super time. It's super hot tub time machine around here. Whew. Lordy! So I think that's enough. Yeah, well, we, depends. What are you playing? Oh, some loud stuff. Hey, everybody! It's eleven o'clock comics episode four hundred and sixty-one. Lord, and I am Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Of course you are, but more importantly, I'm Mycroft Holmes. No. No, you're not Mycroft Holmes. You're Jason Wood. I've deduced that by the sound of your voice, that you're Jason Wood. Dad, don't worry. The more importantly was to be in character. (laughs) That is – I appreciate that. Yes. I hear – so Mycroft. Is there someone with us this week? There may be. Who is it? Someone snuck in. Jason, who cue, do we have? Cue, cue the sound of Raph turning off his podcast. <laughs> Isn't that really a big loss? Oh, and, if we talk about, uh, the and then getting kicked off of Facebook three seconds later. If we talk about New Warriors and the Night Thrasher on a skateboard, we know who else will lose. <laughs> That's true. Jason, who it is? Who this is? This is, uh, this is one of, I think, the, the record holder for the man who sat in the fourth chair the most, other than our original co-host, of course. Uh, the man with the plan, the man who uh, takes care of his business, unlike few others in the business, uh, our boy from the Midwest, Mr. Scotty Young. What's up? Creator. So, so, now, you got to flesh that out a little bit more for the first time. What I want to know, uh, Raph, uh, Raph doesn't like guests or Raph just doesn't like me as a guest? No, no yeah, he yeah, doesn't like guests. guests yeah. Yeah. Okay. How could right. anyone not like you? Yeah. I don't, well, I don't know. Incomprehensible. It's, 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 no, Jason, Jason no. back us up here when um, – when we grabbed Scotty earlier, he was yes. he was looking at his uh, his Skype history, and did he not appear on our show in 2016? Absolutely. Yeah, maybe maybe I rec- maybe I recorded at at work one night or something because my my laptop only has me on here. The last time I was I have I was on here with Vince was April 2015. Nah, that's crazy, dude. And I was like. I, I didn't miss all of 2016, did I? I mean, it's nope. possible. I did have a kid, so it is. <laughs> it was that. So, so you know how that first year of having a kid can can vanish without realizing that you didn't, you know, you missed some stuff. But 
Um, but I feel like it's not. I feel like it hasn't been two years. No, and I think it's had our fill of him at T2E2, so we decided to take the year off. Yeah, I can never get my fill of Scotty. No, no, definitely not. Well, do we check? Y'all got y'all got your fill that night. I was trying to hang out. Y'all trying to go to bed at nine thirty. We're kind of old though. Well, so we're, we're going to give the microphone to Vince's kids. They keep talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> so come on, let's do the litany for those who don't know, those people out in, you know, parts unknown who don't know who this man is. Human Torch, Rocket Raccoon, um, the Oz books for Marvel, and his runaway hit at Image, I Hate Fairyland. That's yes. very true. I left a couple things out, but let them investigate. And I believe yeah, yeah. Uh, multiple Driving. Eisner Award winner. I've, I've got a few of those. It's not about around. the awards, though. You got them on display, or you just package them up? No, I got them at uh, I got them at the studio. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, for the longest time they were. I, I was telling somebody this story the other day that, um, you know, when I my son was pretty, my first my my oldest was pretty young when I first got those, and and uh, you know, our house was just you know you know when you have little kids like nothing's off off limits, right? They just handle everything, and. One night I walked into his playroom and just took a picture like, man, look at how messy this room is. I was like, ah, life with a three-year-old or whatever. And uh, somebody somebody tweeted me back like, man, you are an asshole. Because like in the picture, like amongst the Yo Gabba Gabba toys and dr- broken drum kits and stuffed animals everywhere, it's like – four Eisners just sitting in the, in the piles of toys because at the time he used them as like he, 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 he said they were like energy orbs right so he played with them like they were like energy orbs that he would set up and they would create portals and stuff so they were more toys to him than they were anything but I didn't think anything of it because I was pretty used to it but people who, who saw it online thought I was being kind of an asshole because <laughs> it's just like Eisners laying around in the toy room it's like lighting Damn. a cigar with a hundred dollar bill yeah. <laughs> Scotty lives. I how I don't do, care. son. Yeah, you sound like you're feeling better. I'm getting there, man. I was, uh, you know, like every couple of years, I get ravaged with a flu, and I went to Kansas City, and I mean, Casey went to Kansas City and hung out with the, you know, the Aaron's and the Hopelesses for a week, and and uh, those last couple of days, actually, he started getting texts from every. He, he, they threw a they threw a party for us, and. All of a sudden, a couple of days later, like all their friends started texting them, like, "Man, I'm I'm laid up with the flu," and I was like, "God <laughs> damn it!" I was like laid up at Jason Aaron's house for two days, just like sweating bullets, like with the flu. Uh, and then we got home, and yeah, I was supposed to be on with you guys last week, but I told Jason last night, I was like, "Man, I am nothing but one giant cough right now. The show will not be entertaining if I come on tonight." Well, we're glad you're rounding into shape. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting there. You're worth the wait. Oh, Yo, so uh, what's everybody drinking? No, 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 no. Slow down your roll, champ. Oh, yeah. And you know Holy what else? Shit. You know what oh. else? <laughs> oh, damn. I, th- I thought we. I thought you already did that. No. You know what else? We is don't worth? do anything before you get here. Oh. <laughs> no, I forgot. I, in, my, in my mental state of excitement, I thought we'd already done that part. <laughs> you know what you won't forget? And you know who else is worth the wait? Discount comic book service. DCB. I'm doing my order right now. Look at you. So DCBService.com because they are the absolute best. You can get your books and get them at massive discounts. The list of specials are for this month anyway, uh, from Dark Horse. We have Aliens. Dead Orbit number one by James Stokoe. This is a must buy. I don't even have to tell you why. Uh, the cover price on this thing is $3.99, but you, because you are of massive intellect, 
can get it for a dollar ninety nine. That's fifty yeah. percent off from the good folks at Image. Uh, written by Doug Wagner, artist Daniel Hilliard, and Laura Martin's doing the colors. Um, it's plastic, number one of five. Which is you love this book? I do. It's right up my alley. Serial killer um, traipsing across the country with a blow up doll, riding shotgun. Come on, three ninety nine cover. Your price, Jason. Tell them. Dollar ninety nine. Dollar ninety nine. Fifty percent off. And lastly, from Oni Press, my man Ulysses Farinas, Eric Fritas, and Ryan Hill serving up the Motro Trade Paperback Volume One. Cover price is a very respectable four ninety nine. But your price, because you're smart, and go to DCBService.com, four dollars and ninety nine cents. Lucky for you, that's what I like. Damn good. Yes. Go there, dcbservice.com. Yes. Not going to find them cheaper. Got some new Shaolin Cowboy this month. We do. Yeah. That's not... Is it coming back as an ongoing or like another mini? No, I think it's another mini. Okay. I don't think he's fast fast enough for an ongoing. No. But what was the deal with Frank Miller teaming up with him for Shaolin Cowboy? This is just um, Daryl. This is not Daryl and Miller. Right. Well, with Darren Miller last time, too. I mean, I'm sorry, it was just Darren last time, too. Right, but there was a, a press release that, that Frank was going to team up with him on a, on a Shaolin Cowboy. Oh, is that right? Yeah, if, really? I, if I remember oh. correctly, yes. They've hmm. done stuff together, though. Yeah, they oh, did the rest of, of them. course, but yeah. It's, and hard-boiled, yeah. but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... I thought maybe Vince was... Tripping. Confusing things. Yeah, no, yeah. No. And Jason, Jason, I'm sorry. To answer your question, uh, I am drinking that big old jug of bargain wine... From jug of wine from uh, no, it's close mm-hmm. though. From C R Cellars, this is oh. called Fortissimo, which is an Italian word. Uh, <laughs> California grape wine, fourteen point zero percent alcohol by volume, bitches. Is this like uh, is this like volume. a Sam's Club special? Or? It tastes like grape juice to me. I can't. I feel it. like they. I feel like they. They should have just called that wine winio. <laughs> like this is the Italian ver- Italian word for wine is winio. Th- this is our new wine called cheap fuck. <laughs> yeah, alcoholic grape juice at that point. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's not as good as that Cabernet Sounds that I had wonderful. last week. Right? You would not like it. You'd be it's swill. It would. Yeah, I, I, I probably would spit it right out. Yes, and I wouldn't blame you for doing so. All right. Okay. Let's start guest drinking. I am drinking. Actually, it's exciting because tonight, because I have been sick for about two weeks, this is my first night back having some wine oh, since uh, since I got sick. So. Um, I'm having a little of uh, Francis Ford Coppola's uh, Director's Cut Pinot Noir. Nice. Yeah, I just drank some of that like a week ago. Yeah, oh, I really like that Coppola vineyards. Man, I really, really like, uh, really like his wines. Um, we uh, we usually get this, and, and sometimes when Casey wants white, she gets uh, the Sauvignon Blanc, and the, and we like that okay. And then Jason Aaron had some. Um, Ah, I can't remember which one it was, but it had like bullet holes. The the, the wrapping was great because it was mm-hmm. had like had like bullet holes shot through the bottle. Um, but you know, I'm kind of on a I've been doing a low carb diet for about a year, so the Pinot Noir is like the lowest carb wine you can you can go with. So I'm kind of on a on a Pinot kick. Uh, when that's my kind of go to, so I usually go with uh, this director's cut Pinot Noir. It's really good. Tell me something. Do you miss the Riesling? 
Nah, I'm telling. Well, here's the thing: is once I like ever since I've kind of went to like cut carbs for my life, like I can't do sweet stuff anymore. Like, uh, I can't. You know, like it's too sweet. Like even like you fit trim now. I'm getting there. I mean, I'm not. I think I'm down about 35 pounds or something like All that. Right. Like, uh, I still got a long way to go, but it's uh, you know, it's slowly but surely. I'm not doing any kind of wonder diets or anything. I'm just, I'm just getting everything right. But um, right. Yeah, but yeah, but because of that, I can't do the sweet stuff anymore, man. Like I like every now and then we'll try to do a glass of white wine or something, or we'll do you know we'll go out to eat to a to a spot that does a pairings with all our with all mm-hmm. the courses, and you know like one of the one of the courses will come with like a more sweeter white wine. I'm like, ah, oh, damn, this thing tastes like candy now. Yeah, uh, we don't allow we don't allow whites in our house, so. Oh, <laughs> right, yeah, it's the first took a turn. <laughs> Not with him, just keeping it real, just keeping it real. Unless I'm, what about I'm, you, I'm, uh, so I'm a, I'm gonna try something live on air. Oh, so I uh, I've been I have a refrigerator in the in the uh, garage full of beer and not a single one that I want to drink. Um, because like over time, you know, people come over, they bring beers, you know, you buy beers for other people, and as we've talked about before, like the entire world is in love with IPAs these days like it's like you every craft beer is an ipa and i can't stand ipas so i finally said this is ridiculous i want some beer so i went to i went to the store on the way home went over and saw what they had in the craft department that was an ipa and i picked up two uh two different beers from the same brewer and it's new to me this is uh this is called two roads brewing company from stratford connecticut and the first one which i actually already drank one is called the uh, Two Roads uh, Old Factory. So we'll play on words there. Get it? Like Old Factory, Old Factory. Uh, Pilsner. It's a, and it's a dry hop Pilsner. So Vince would like it. They say that they ferment it. Um, what, they add more hops to the beer as it ferments, and it's called a dry hop process. So that's very good. That's a lager. I mean a Pilsner, and I dug that. Now, the second one, also by Two Roads, and uh, Vince, you will love this. This is uh, It's called... Uh, the route of all evil Ooh, black ale. Nice. And uh it's 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 a picture of a burning building with a scary psychotic looking clown riding a tricycle away from the building. Oh shit. And it says take the road less shuffled because it's their seasonal winter beer. Now here's my dilemma. The the Pilsner uh was bottled hold on, let me find the label here. Was bottled on November ninth, twenty sixteen. So we're good there. We're kosher. It's all good. As I was getting ready to open this, I noticed that it was bottled on 11-4-2015. Nice. No, it's not nice. No, it's, it's taking time to ferment. <laughs> beer, beer really doesn't keep for two years. Oh, come on. So Dude, I gross. just opened it. I'm going to taste it. Taste. It could be skunked. It could be bad. I don't know. Hold on. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Mm. Uh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's uh, is amazing. It is, it is bitter as AF. I don't know if it's supposed to be that bitter. I mean, it is a black ale. I'll take another sip. But, uh, yeah, no. Chug it. Ooh, it's not so good. Oh. Uh, I'm gonna go back to the Pilsner. That's why I bought two two kinds. But uh, all right, so no, I cannot recommend the Route of All Evil. Although a big asterisk because it is two years old, so maybe it's just a bad bad set here. But I can recommend the uh, Old Factory 
uh, Pilsner. So there you go. I can't believe there was any part of you that thought that that 2015 joint was going to not be bad. (laughs) I know, but I'm so disappointed because I just bought it from the store. I got issues with this. See, normally I would never buy buy beer from where I bought it from because it's like the place right near where I park. And it's like all podunk and shit. But, you know, desperate times, desperate measures. So I figured, well, I would never go there and buy wine, but how could they fuck up beer? And now I know. They're yeah, selling me two-year-old beer. And who checks the, the, the sell-by date when they buy beer? Apparently, I need to start. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah you know what, though? I would imagine that with this new kind of like, you know, over the last five or so years that like craft beers and small microbreweries and things like that have become the norm. Yeah. Like, or that have become trendy. It's probably something you should do all the time. Cause You're right. These are probably things that they buy once and they're like, oh, they don't sell, but they don't That's get the thing, right? Exactly. Like if I'm yeah. buying like, 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 you know, something like from Anheuser-Busch or buying like Corona or buying Guinness, like I know that it's, they sell so much of it, it's fresh as can be, but yeah. Well, yeah. And they've got, and they've got people, you know, they've got beer people that come in and rotate that stuff out where it's like, you buy this little craft stuff. Well, I was actually going to ask that, like, cause I know like, like, let's say with art supplies, right? Like, there's always that you run the risk of like finding that pin that's like, oh, this is the dopest pin alive. But then like they stop making it in six months and you're like, oh, shit, maybe I should have bought 700 of these pins. Uh, <laughs> you know, but like sometimes I wonder if that with like with this new beer culture, if you yeah. find that beer that you're like, man, this is really good beer. But you run the risk of like, you know, there's no way this place is staying in business, right? You know, our, uh, our, our, by the way, speaking of that, are Copic still like on back order for like months? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't do more. I don't really fuck with markers. I, I started doing watercolors and stuff instead of markers because it's just cheaper and like they go further. I mean, you can use the same thing of watercolors for mm-hmm. four years and a marker lasts me about eight minutes. All right. So I, I since we have a, a, bon, a bona fide, uh, artist here, um, who, if we're keeping it real, can when he wants to. Wait, hold on uh, real quick. David, did what? you tell us what you were drinking? No, I did not. Oh, damn, that, damn, Jason. I asked you first. Uh, I'm about ready to come up in here and bump bump out a host. I'm about ready to take over. He's, he's <laughs> on it. And you did, Jason, but then I think we got sidetracked and Vince jumped on because he yeah, usually always first. Um, this, is, uh, this is for a little bit of everything. Unfortunately, um, okay. I, I thought I had I, – I was all – Meta with it, but um, Scotty's colorist does not actually uh, does not actually live in France. He lives in Canada. But this wine is from France. This is a um, I'm not even going to try to say that. But what's nice is that it's a Merlot Cabernet Sauvignon blend. Sixty percent mm. um, Merlot, forty percent Cabernet Sauvignon. Forty-seven, uh, almost forty-seven. The uh, it's a Belsarat Red. 2012. Um, it's funny though; it's imported by Wine Worldwide Incorporated, uh, about 40 minutes away from me in New Paltz, New York. Nice. Um, but it is pretty tasty. It doesn't uh, doesn't kind of have that that linger. It, it's it. I don't want to say it tastes imported, but it doesn't have that same. Uh, it it tastes like it's traveled a bit. Most of my blends seem to come from California, but this actually does, uh, it, it doesn't have that, um, that punch that I'm kind of used to, but it's still, it, it's still nice and smooth. Nice. So the, uh, what I wanted to bring up before we talk about the comics is that, uh, I am a member of a couple different Facebook groups, 
that are in some way or shape or form related to collecting comic book art. Mm-hmm. And uh, a little bit of a, of a shitstorm arose in the last day on one of the more popular of the groups uh, related to a very popular uh, artist who is more known these days for doing commissions than he is for actually doing real work, uh, and that's Adam Hughes. So the background is that um, th- this this group in particular is for posting sketch like prices and and details. So like anyone that like for example, if Scotty was going to be at Heroes and he I followed Scotty or knew Scotty and he posted his rates on his Facebook, people go in and say, oh here's how much Scotty's you know it's just to keep people in the loop if they're always looking for like how to get commissions from people. So anyway, dude dude apparently there's a a con because there's eight thousand cons these days called La Mole which is in Mexico City. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been invited to that one a couple of years running, but I haven't been able to go. Cool. All right. So Adam Hughes is going this year, I guess, and he posted on his uh, <laughs> one of his, I guess, websites or whatever, the terms for his uh, commission sketch list. Mm-hmm. And the long and the short of it is, um, you know, people sign up and it's like a lottery, and he's going to take twenty requests for nine by twelve and twenty requests for five by eight. Jesus. And then he'll do as many as he can, and you gotta be done. It's be done in advance, and he'll do them in a studio, and then you have to. So, but then he's got all these rules, okay? And people were bitching about the rules. Now, the rules include um, that you have to show up with your receipt at the show. Mm-hmm. You have to pick it up yourself. It can't be you can't order for someone else. It has to be you. Um. And the, the, I guess the, the one that really caused the shitstorm is, um, he is requiring that the, uh, piece be dedicated to you personally. He's done that for years. So, right. So, so, right. So, so, and his rates for the fig, a full figure in this case are, uh, a nine by 12 full figure is a thousand bucks. So, uh, a bunch of people lost their minds over this saying, how ridiculous it was that if they're paying a thousand dollars for a commission, they damn sure should have the right to whether or not it has a dedication. And I stepped in and said, well, much respect to you not liking the idea of dedication. Mm -hmm. Um, I I happen to get all, all of my art dedicated, which I know is unusual. Um, I said, but like, this is a, you know, it's his, it's his art. He can do, he can make whatever rules he wants. Right. And like people were getting mad. Like how could this guy, he's fucking us over this guy, screw this guy. And I was like, I I don't like, I can understand if you're a huge Adam Hughes fan and this is like your one chance to get a commission from him and you hate dedications. And so I can see you maybe being like bummed by it because it's not what you want. And so you're not going to get the commission, but I don't understand the anger because it like strikes me as this like sense of entitlement that I don't get. And it just caused this like whole debate where like hundreds of people were chiming in on both sides. And I just really don't understand the mindset because from my vantage, like, you know, it's all about supply demand, right? It's a business. And the simple fact is Hughes has been very public about the fact that he hates that his stuff gets flipped. Right. And, you know, look, as someone who collects a ton of art, um, I can certainly attest to the fact that uh, the price for commissions has skyrocketed in the last few years. But it skyrocketed for two reasons. One, because artists are sick and tired of doing commissions at shows and then seeing a shit flipped on eBay a week later. And so if they're going to charge X and you're going to sell it for 2X a week later, why don't they just charge 2X and make the money? Right. And then two, um, 
just a better price discovery. It's that if you only have time to draw eight commissions anyway, and you got 90 people that want commissions from you, then you can probably charge more. Cause even if the 90 falls to 20, it's still way more than you can draw. So just keep raising your prices until you get to the point where there's equilibrium. So, you know, from a, being a businessman, I, I totally and a hundred percent think that's the rational thing for artists and, and, and reps to do. What I, and I also think it's totally rational for any collector to say no if, if it's for any reason, whether they don't like the price, they don't like the rules, whatever. You can say no, no one's forcing you to buy it. I just don't understand the anger that is created by the process as though somehow, uh, there is like blame to be had. Like it's, it's like, I, I just, that's the part I don't quite get. I just don't get like how one could be mad at Adam Hughes for, for his, the rules he puts on his own process. Like it's his business, right? Like, yeah, like, I, I've always, I think one thing that there's a, there's, especially when you start getting into the people like, um, like Adam or, you know, the, the I think there's a certain tier of people that do commissions, uh, you know, that, that are cover quality, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's con sketches and you see something, you know, it's like a Daniel Warren Johnson commission is like better than most covers, yes. yep. you know, or um, like the ones that Mahmoud's been doing are just sick. Yeah. So I think one thing that is always a, a, a thing that's a little bit of a misunderstanding is when a company, when a company pays us for a cover illustration, they pay us a, a, a certain sum of money that is basically saying that, you know, we now have the rights to make this into t-shirts or, you know, and it's going to be on, it's going to be on a hundred thousand comics, you know, copies of this guy. You know. So there's a business transaction that's taking place for that one illustration. So when we get into commission zone, we start being expected to do the exact same thing that we do for our job at a fraction of the cost. Right, right. Um, and also, you know, like, also make it real easy for us to go and, and flip it and do this and that, which, which is, you know, why kind of commissions for me kind of went by the wayside a long time ago, like, you know, big burly commissions, because, you know, I, you know, if I'm going to do a cover quality piece, I need that thing to work for me. Like I need, I need that time that I invest in that. To, I need that piece then to turn around and work for me, you know? So like when I do a cover, that thing gets turned into a t-shirt. That thing gets turned into a sculpt, you know, a, a statue. That thing's getting passed around the internet for, for three months. Like that, that one image that, that I do for that ends up working for me for the next six months. So that there's value add to that, right? Versus I do one piece for one person. Like, you know, I think like it's weird for me. I feel like that needs to be cost you more than what Marvel pays me for sure, cover sure. because mm-hmm. it's super special, right? Like I'm doing a cover level illustration for just you. Like I don't paint, I don't do paintings for my cover, but I'll do a watercolor for a commission. So it's like I'm doing a one-off painting for one person, one time, and it's not going to be reproduced. It's only for you. To me, that shouldn't get, you shouldn't like, I don't view that as like, Oh, you should get this at like a fraction of the cost. I'm like, no, nah, you should get this at like three times the cost because this is mm-hmm. – it's literally that special. So yeah, I've never understood the anger. I mean obviously there is the anger because most people want to flip it, right? Like and especially Adam. Adam Hughes is kind of like the gold standard. He kind yeah, of started the whole thing. Like yeah. he was the kind of – the Don Dada of the fucking uh, commission. <laughs> yeah. The con commission. Yeah. And he was also the first one that was like kind of taught. I mean, we all learned our con, our con business from Adam. Like mm-hmm. 
I learned how to start pricing my stuff watching Adam price his stuff and watch people flip his stuff and do that stuff where I started to kind of do that math, which is like, all right, if I charge this, like I charge a thousand bucks for a commission. I think I just did. I just, I just picked up like two commissions the other day for 1500 a piece. And I'm like, that's a ridiculous number, right? And I understand that a hundred people are not going to pay that, but I don't need a hundred people to pay that. I need two people to pay that. And I found two people that want to pay that. So it's like, you start to figure out that you start to figure out that business in a different way. And really at the end of the day, it's just about like what's going to make you happy making art and what's going to make the person happy. Cause I will tell you this. I don't actually care that people flip my stuff because of the money. Like the money, half of it doesn't bother me. Okay. What does bother me. And this is just a personal outlook. This isn't me saying this is how everybody should be. The thing that bothers me is when I go to a convention, I don't do pre, I don't do pre lists. And have just people pick them up because people pay money to get on planes and people pay money to stay at hotels. Like I want those people to be able to get the commission. Like I don't like I don't if I'm just going to like take an email and do a commission based on an email and then have you pick it up. Like I don't even know why I'm leaving my house. Like at that (laughs) point, at that point, I'll just stay home. And I'll do commissions and I'll ship it to you. Like I don't like so for me, I feel like there's a there's a special connection that you get to the dad who got his kid on a plane yeah. and flew four states away and they're staying at the hotel and and they're built they're they're spending money of theirs. So I'm not even looking at the money that they're spending at my table. I'm looking at the money that you know uh, two buddies are spending for the whole weekend and they're eating out and they're staying at hotels. I want those guys. Or, or girls or, or a mother and a father or, or, or a, a mother, daughter or whatever. I want those people to get, uh, a chance to, to go away with something to kind of like to add to, to the value of all that money. Yeah. That so there's, there's that part for me. So when I see, when, when I have such limited space at a con and I do those pieces and then I go home and I see one of those pieces on eBay instantly. A, I've pretty much figured out my pricing and level of detail that I put into piece, pieces to where the jokes on them, they're almost never going to be able to flip it for more than I sold it to them for. Like, I've, I've seen pieces sit on eBay for a year. Like, they mm-hmm. can't flip it, right? So that's fine. It's really the fact that, like, you took someone's spot. Like, you took someone's spot that really wanted a piece and they were going to take that piece home and it was going to be a part of their weekend, right? Like, yeah. You guys know, like you three, when you guys go to conventions, like it's a thing. Like it's your, it's like you guys, you guys are brothers. You go to conventions, you experience. It's it's a it's a four or five day experience for you guys, right? That those kind of things are more important to me than like, oh, I sold it for him for for, for three hundred dollars and he sold it for five. I don't really care about that as much as the fact that like I might not have been able to do something for the person who was looking at who was looking for an experience that weekend. And didn't get to get experience because I gave an experience to somebody else, but they didn't really take advantage of it in that way. They went, they tried to flip it. So it's always a little heartbreaking to be like, or it's even like my daily sketches, right? Like I sell my daily sketches every day and when they sell and then when I see those like pop up on eBay, I'm like, man, like why did you do that? Like somebody really wanted that. Like somebody was like, dang, like somebody genuinely wanted that. Like they really, really wanted that. And you didn't really want it. You just kind of like, you want it that day. And so listen, part of me is like, flip it. You, if you make more money, 
okay, you're teaching me that my market's bigger than it is. So I've actually been able to charge more over the years when I, when I, when I view flippers. But I view it more as like, I don't like people kind of getting in and taking away an experience from somebody else who, you know, cons are not cheap to go to anymore. So, uh, you know, I'd rather people who actually put work into going to the con get, walk away with a sketch than mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, the people who are more savvy and, and, and can get it. Cause that, like I said, other than that, I'll just stay at home and do it. Like I'm fine with that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm with you a hundred percent with what you're saying, except for the one thing. And, and obviously you know, this is that. I think a lot of the guys probably are, if we're talking business, are smart to do pre-show orders because it gives them cost certainty, right? Like if they're, if, I mean, it, I would imagine you probably don't go to many cons if any of these days that they don't co- like cover your costs, but, but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This a is lot like, of, a lot of artists, you know, do the pre-show so they can like lock in a profit for the weekend, right? Oh yeah. That's why I don't ever, that's why my, my, um, that's why my outlook is not, me ever saying like, why does everybody else do it like this? It really is just like, I know my situation is unique to me. Um, you know, everything works for the way that, you know, like I said, like you're right. Like cons are completely free for me. Um, and you know, I do well at cons and things, you know, I, I sell books and I sell prints and everything. So like a con is a totally different experience for, so for me, if for me leaving my family for the weekend, I need it to be a certain kind of experience mm-hmm. to warrant me leaving the kids for, you know, four or five days and, you know, not being around my wife for that long. And I need it to be a certain kind of experience. And if it's just, yeah. if it's just like we're doing internet business, but we happen to be delivering it at the convention, for me, that doesn't work. But it totally makes sense for the people that are viewing that convention as a networking experience mm-hmm. and the commissions are going to help them get out there and network a little bit and meet, you know, hang out with editors and do the whole nine, you know? Yeah. I mean, we have a, uh, like with con season rolling in now, I've got a couple of articles, like a series of articles I want to do for the website. And, uh, basically, you guys it's just doing, a- art- you guys doing articles now? Oh my god! Up? Dude, you guys keeping up on that or? Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 not keeping to our <laughs> here to we our go regimented schedule. <laughs> no, we we I'm included in that. I didn't do an article yet this week. Um, but uh, but yeah, we're 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 doing it. It's it's going it's going along. But one of the things that I want to talk about is sort of a uh, like an FAQ for OA collecting. <laughs> it's going along. And uh, you know, I think one of the things that people get twisted about is like everybody has the right to their own set of rules. Like there's no like. And the issue is just that you just got to be cool with the fact that your rules may not align with what you want, right? Sure. Like, I would love to be able to go to every con with my fucking VIP access and still be able to get on Art Adams' list. But somehow, I get there at the minute it opens and he's, his list is already full. Why? Because exhibitors and dealers get on his list and he takes the list before it opens. And to your point, now, I would not kill myself to be a typical fan at this point, but... I do sometimes think like, well, geez, if I can't get on his list at 10 a.m. on the dot when I'm standing in front of his table, then mm-hmm. to your point, Scotty, like nobody for the weekend that's there, maybe just to see art and get a piece of his art, it has a chance at it, and that sucks. But again, yeah, that's th- his, but that's his rules though. Like, right. like I, yeah. like I, I'm sad by it. Like I'm bummed on a personal level, but like, like for how many years did that happen? How many years did it, it was it a running joke about me trying to get on Jim Chung's list? Right? Oh, absolutely. Um, but like my point there is not so much to say like, what was me? It's more to say that like, but those are each, each guy's got his own rules to play with. Like, um, you know, one of the favorite things for me about OA is like staying on point with the, with the younger or the newer artists and like getting art that I love before yeah, these guys and girls are household names. And 
Uh, you know, not because it's less expensive, but just it's neat. It's neat that like I can get art from these people and then like to see them two, three years later charging five, ten X for a commission that I got from them just because they're blown up. Like that's neat. It like tells me that just it's like being an AR rep. It's like, oh I got a pretty good eye. Like I like you know, like oh this is cool that like people are yeah. all on this guy's tip now. Like what DWJ, like DWJ gave all of us awesome commissions and like he's the man, but like he's so talented. We know that if not this year or like next year or the year after, like dude's gonna dude's gonna have much higher rates, like more power to him, right? And um but like but it's but the thing is is it works both ways. Like as a consumer who's spending your hard-earned money, you have the right to have your own rules. Like I, like some, pe- like a lot of artists, if I do do like an order, will say like, "Pay me up front," and I almost always say, unless I've done business with them beforehand, that doesn't work for me. Like I, like because too many of y'all don't ever finish your commission. So oh yeah, I'm, I'm uh, a number, like I, I learned long ago. People try to pay me up front. I'm like, no, nope. you just go ahead and keep your money till I'm done. And they're like, ah, yeah, but I like to go. Like if I keep the money, then I'll spend the money. I'm like, well, then you'll spend it. That's fine. Like I, I don't ever worry about sitting on a piece. I'll sell a piece. I, like there's no, <laughs> there's no worry in in my mind that that if you don't show up or if you can't pay for a piece, like that that I'm not going to be able to get rid of it. I'm fine with that. Right. But what I'm not fine with is I know myself so much. Like I don't let people borrow shit, and I don't borrow shit. Like sometimes people say like. Oh, you haven't seen this movie yet? Here, borrow the Blu-ray. I'm like, nah, I'm good. Nah. <laughs> I'm like, nah, nah, I'm good. I'm like, why? I was like, because if this comes to my house, it's mine. Like, I'm keeping it for, I'll keep it forever. <laughs> and they're like, well, no, no, you just give it up. But nah, I probably will not give it back. Like, I'll, I'll bring it to my house. I'll, I won't put it back in the case. It'll get scratched. Like, uh, like I just know myself too well. So I like, I don't borrow shit. But then people will be like, oh man, I haven't seen this TV show. Can I borrow this? I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, and you're good too. Yeah, like, nah, I'm gonna go ahead and hold on to that. You just, you know, like, I feel, I feel like you can, you can figure out how to watch this on your and own. Smeagol up in this piece. <laughs> well, because listen, I know myself too well. I know that like once I'm not, I'm not good at getting shit back. I'm not good at giving shit back. Um, I've had too many times, like even these, you know, I, a couple of weeks ago, for some reason, I'm so goddamn busy, but I got a hair up my ass one day. I was like, ah, maybe I'll take on two commissions. I did it, but I did not take their money because I was like, if I take this money, well, like Jason, uh, was, was it, uh, Jason Schachter who does, uh, Central Qu- Sequential? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Jason Schachter was essential. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I had, uh, I wanted, so a commission spot opened up on Andrew Robinson's list uh, about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I want one of those spots. I want a tank girl. And he was like, oh, do you want to do a trade? And I was like, shit. Like, <laughs> like I said yes because I'm like, oh, cool. But I was like in hindsight, like I still haven't done that piece for the trade. Like I, like in hindsight, I'm like, I kind of just want to pay for it. Like I just like – because I know myself. Like if you put me in a position to owe you something, like if you do it, like I'm kind of not going to do it. Like I'm going to – I'm going to do this one because I really want that Tank Girl piece and it's super dope. But – but I am way, I'm way more apt to just be cool if you just say like, like, like people are like, oh, you want to do an art trade? I'm like, nah, let's just go ahead. Let's just like, let me give you money. Like, let me give you money now. Or you want to do like, you want trade commissions? Like, shit, I am just too irresponsible. Like, that's how I am. Dude, that and really so, surprises me. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, it's cool that you're self aware, but I'm just surprised because you're, 
your you, your shit is organized when it comes to business. So I'm, I'm surprised. Well, that's what it is. But only when, but my shit's organized in business because I know myself so well that I don't get entangled in shit. Like, I like look, I didn't have a credit card until I was 30 years old. Like, Dang. I was 30 years old before I had any, and then even when I got a credit card, like I just pay that thing off at the end of the month. So it's like I. I've lived my whole life being like, if I have this, then I can get that. It, but there's no kind of like, like, here, you take this and hold on to this for a bit. Cause I'm like, nah, it's kind of mine. And I've ha- like, back in the day when I first started this, I would do the thing, right? Like I take all the commissions and I get to the end of the weekend. And I'll be like, oh, I didn't get it. And they're like, oh, it's cool. You just mail it. I'm like, yeah, I totally will do that. That's and I get home. Yeah, and I get home and I become one of those – and I you got – like you're a collector. You know what I'm talking about where it's like I become the guy that's like, ah, shit. I haven't gotten to it. I'm definitely going to get to it. And then by the time I get around to doing it, my commit – like now – like there is one that I took so long. I took so, – it was like – I swear to God, the, the dude paid me like 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. But by the time I did it, like I had priced myself out of that too – like like – the amount of money that I could have made in that time now was like <laughs> 10 times over, right? Like, mm-hmm. so it's like, it's a real bizarre system that I, I put myself in, but I know myself well enough now that like, I don't take, and some people will be like, oh, I already paid you. I'm like, nah, nope, because I don't take money from nobody. Like, I, I don't take money well, until, until you see, show up. You're, you're a different beast though, because m- most, most artists do do that and they get caught up in, and that's one of the things I have the biggest time talking to other collectors about, which is that I feel like so many collectors I know have multiple, multi-year waits where like, like, pe- they've paid people and they're waiting for the shit. And I'm just like, y'all are insane. Like, the reason that these guys can, like, literally, can like not do your commission for years is because you enable them to do that by paying them up front. And then like politely sending them or their rep an email like once every six months and then they say, nah, it's not ready. And like, okay, cool. Just checking. I'd be like, great. Then you can wire me or PayPal me the money back right now. And then I'm going to put you on blast. So everybody else knows that you can't, you don't actually. Oh yeah. No, there's been a couple times. There were the few times there was a few holdouts that I just, and I just fucked up on. Cause here's the thing. Like my hustle is so strong that if you give me money, I, I got, I like, I won, right? Like, I, my hustle worked. Like, <laughs> my, my brain, my brain does the math. It was like, it's kind of like, like, okay, uh, with kids. Like, one time we, we were talking about, like, you know, we needed Baxter to come down and clean up the basement. And at one point, kids was like, well, like, okay, we'll tell him that he can play for 30 minutes and then he can go clean up. I was like, we can't give him the reward. Before he does, like, before he cleans up the basement, like, he has to clean first, then as a reward, he gets playtime, right? Like, so for me, if you give me the reward, my brain is like, nah, we're good, we did it. Like, like, we, we, I got we, what I wanted out of yeah, it. Yeah, I figured out how to make your money my money. And, <laughs> and in this equation, I didn't even have to do anything for it. I know theoretically I'm supposed to do something for it, but my brain is just like, go ahead and put that off. And the worst thing that you could do is be my friend. Like if we're actually friends and then we enter into a situation like that, you are absolutely fucked. Like, because I'll always be like, ah, no, bro, I'll get you. Ne- I'll get you next time for sure. Like, no, 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 we'll do it when we're at the bar or we'll do it. The, you know, be- and I, Damn, I, 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 I should, I should feel thankful that I, I got some art from you then already. Oh, no, no. I'm telling you, I mean, like, and I always mean it at the time where I'm like, ah, we'll do it. You know, but I'm always like, because you understand, it's like, ah, oh, you're my friend. You understand what this is like. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. 
but yeah, I, 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 like, but, but again, I know that's a, a situation unique to me. I can't, I, 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 I don't think that everybody, but you know, I, I just know myself too well. I, I, I'm not, I'm not very responsible with that stuff. Once, once you give me money, I'm just kind of like, well, somehow I got your money. So I think I'll just hold on to it. Well, you heard it here, everybody. If you're at a con, <laughs> <laughs> and Scotty is sketching. Make sure you take him up on his insistence not to pay him before he's done. Yeah, don't pay me because I'll hold on to that piece for a while. <laughs> so bad. Hey, before we move on, uh, I have a thank you. I do too. Nice. Oh, snap. Nice. Let me get this uh, get this business taken care of, and then we can roll. Um, my buddy. <laughs> we haven't been. No, we've been rolling, but I mean with the comics. My my buddy DVG. Drew Van Genderen sent me a, a, a little care package. Now wait a minute, you got to you got to hear this. He sent me anywhere. he sent me two, two books by uh, Scuds McKinley. I love his. Oh, not anyway. Yeah, I know. I, I was waiting for it. Um, it's very they're very much in the Paul Pope vein. He thought I'd dig them. He sent me Legend of the Star Grazers number one dap from Inno- from Innovation. Jason, I got a copy of Barbarella, The Moon Child. Now this nice. is this is the original heavy metal printing of this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking seventy eight. And Man. Top of the Pops. Unbelievable. Sent me a copy of Fantastic Four number twenty nine. Get out of here. Not wow. shitting you. Yep. Must be nice to be loved. God damn. It started on Yancey Street. Unbelievable. So I just want to give a big, big hug to DVG. Thank you very much. Totally unnecessary, but I appreciate it very, very, very much. That's, That's pretty awesome. Yep. Yeah. So David, what do you got? Um, I, uh, came home the other night, um, box on the stoop from, uh, Barnes and Noble. And I'm like, I didn't order anything from Barnes & Noble. But it turns out that uh, the invoice told me who it was sold to while it was shipped to me. So I have to give a huge thank you to Mr. Jonathan O'Neill. Uh, I now own this work in – I own the first printing hardcover – I own at least two paperback versions of the book, one of which is a first printing. And now I own this silver gilded, nice thick. Wow, that sounds leather. thick. Yeah, no, it's, it's a nice, uh, it's leather with a bookmark. Um, but it is both of Neil Gaiman's novels, American Gods and Nancy boys all in one nice tome smells like that 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 leather smell um thank you so very much i um of of course you know we are um i'm really looking forward to the dark horse adaptation but um i will never um say no to well a neil gaiman piece of work in my house but uh uh, he says owning no Sammy comics, but the, uh, they're, and um, talking in the third person. <laughs> yes, so of course he does. But, uh, but yeah, I, um, and I do have the, I actually have 
a Nancy Boyce, and I haven't, sadly, I haven't finished that book, but American Gods, I've read uh, a few times so far. So I don't know, I, I might, it's it's weird, because this looks, I'm looking at the, the, the type inside, and it, it, it kind of looks a little thinner than the the actual hardcover I'm looking at at my shelf right now, but the paper in I, I think in the original book is like a little thicker, so it's just it's it's kind of weird. It's messing with me that there's two books in this, and it and it seems to be a little smaller than the American Gods book, but um, I it's a really snazzy looking cover too, black and and silver with some blue. It's it's sharp, and I, I uh, I'm probably gonna read this one just because it's got the bookmark. And, and, and I won't have to worry about losing my place, but thank you so very much, Jonathan. Completely unexpected. Lovely surprise. Thank you. There you very go. Cool. Love the ribbon bookmarks. Love them. Love them. Love them. Yeah. Me too. Love, oh, actually, love, love ribbon bookmarks. Hate dust jackets. Yes, my man. <laughs> I've given you a big hug. Oh, you're so cute. Dude, I I got a fucking graveyard of dust jackets. I just hate them. Am I right? They're useless. They're the worst. I read them. I put them back on when I'm done when they're going on the shelf. They're the worst. And you know what else is the worst is when you take a dust jacket off and then like there's nothing interesting about the book underneath. Yeah, exactly. Like either A, just case wrap it in the exact same cover or at least do something interesting with the under book. I don't, there's no reason for you not to. The, uh, the, the the Green Lantern Will Will World has a, uh, underneath the dust jacket, there's a embossed. Right. Characters of uh, caricatures of uh, Demetrius and uh, and Seth. See, that's cool because it's like a surprise. Yes, because you're exactly. going to take the dust jacket off anyway when you read it. So surprise, there surprise, you go. Look surprise. at this. This is a nice little value added thing that they they did with for this. me. Just do a nice case wrapped hardcover with a spot varnish. Oh, Ooh, love the spot varnish. Yeah. And you just that's it. That's all you need. Like a, I Kill Giants, the hardcover, the big like Titan edition. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful, beautiful book. Yeah. Like you ain't lying. Oh man! And like when I do the I Hate Fairyland book, like the hardcover, I'm gonna do like it's just gonna look like a big classic fairy tale book. It's gonna be all gold like inlay, leaf like. Oh, it's uh, gonna be faux nice. aging on that. You gonna do some faux? Uh, gonna be some blood splatter on oh, it. I got it. My goodness. Although I, I just realized, uh, uh, knowing that I of, of the game and books I do not have, and, and sadly with with Scotty on the show tonight, I still don't have. Fortunately, the milk. God damn! It. I know I suck. I'll have well, to get it. They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything very interesting underneath the dust jacket on that one. Um, yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty plain. It's a pretty plain underneath book, which is unfortunate. <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> Fortunately, the milk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's sitting around my house with the dust jacket on. I even take my own dust jackets off. Good for you. Yep. Hate them. Hate them. They're a pestilence. Hate it. All right. Um, let's get into the comics here. Let's do it. All right. I think all of us read this comic. All of us, including our guest? I believe so. Written by uh, Donnie Cates. Art by Jeff Shaw. Color art by Jason Wordy. It's God Country number two. We're all good on this, yes? I did read it, yes. Nice. Um, the plot thickens, uh, but admittedly not a whole lot. Uh, we learned that the, um, the sword 
that uh, awakened Emmett is uh, infused with the spirit of uh, Valofax. It's a sentient sword. It's not just a sword. It's all swords. It's Excalibur. Yes. It's 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 um, the Black Blade. Elric's Black Blade. The God yeah. of Swords. Yes, it, it is the God of Swords, and um, the the uh, being that descended from the heavens at the end of issue one is called Aristus, the God of War, firstborn son of a tomb, heir to the kingdom of always, who wants the sword. He has come for the sword, and Emmett, justifiably refuses to give up the sword because if he does he loses all identity it will return him to his previous alzheimer's stricken state um and he's i wouldn't give it up no way and and he sends a message back to um aristus's daddy saying you you know what come and get it i'm not giving it up and that, when I'm holding my granddaughter. Yeah, and that's a say. See, he can't really, he can't, not only can he not relinquish the sword, he can't let go of the sword. Yeah. He lets go of the sword, the magic is, is gone. You know, so, yeah. um, I, I loved everything about this issue. I think, uh, Jeff Shaw's art is, is amazing. Uh, he's doing the, uh, the old Chris Bocello, um, Hatching on the tips of the nose. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That just that wins me over. I don't know why. But uh, I, I, I think the just the figure drawing in here is amazing. The textures, um, the the wordy's coloring is is fantastic. The cover bothers me. Does it really? Yes. The call, the, the... call me call me um, you know superficial, but the fact that the Angle does not bisect the zero in the middle, or the, the O. <laughs> See how the it doesn't the angle. The, the, ang- the angle but does because it not, goes into the Y in country. Not not really. It's a different angle. It goes into the Y, sure, but the the angle of the ascender on the Y is not the same angle as the 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 bis the thing that bisects the the O. That bothers the hell out of me. And and if you look at the the dust cloud that Emmett has kicked up being slammed in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. See the clouds on the O? How mm-hmm. they just touch the tips of the two points on the star the tip. bothers yes. the shit out of me. They should they should, they a, should they, overlap. They have a, th- those are a little those are a couple tangents. Yes. Tangents, yep. Yeah. Tangents drive me nuts. It yeah. bugs but the hell out of me. I Tom Brevoort <laughs> in like my second year of it's my second year of doing this. So this is like two thousand two which is like Human Torch type of time? Yeah, time yep, on, yeah, yep. Human Torch. So I was, I was starting on Human Torch 2002, mm-hmm. and um, Tom Brevoort gave me some notes on a page, and he was like, "Ah, oh, you got a couple tangents on here," and I was like, "You know, at the, at the time, yeah, at the time, I'm like 23 or something like that." I'm like, like, what's a tangent? Yeah, I was like, "What's a tangent?" And he explained a tangent to me, and ever since, and I, I still bring this up to Tom whenever I'm around him. I'm like, "You." fucked me up for life like mm-hmm. because now i am like a tangent junkie like, oh, like, yes. like if you if like I, it's like as soon as somebody shows me a piece like hey look at hey is there is this new cover okay i'm like yeah there's seven tangents on it like yeah. fix Dude, it. you and ryan brown <laughs> yeah I, no it's a thing i have my portfolio what was it that was it heroes two years ago uh i think that's when it started 
Yeah. So Brown was like, oh, let me see what you got. So he's looking through my portfolio and like, it was, it was pages, awesome. pages that I fucking think are like masterpieces and cost me a small fortune. Yeah. He's like, there's a tangent. He's like, he's like, this guy's way too good to be, have a tangent like this. I'm like, and Jace is like, the fuck are you talking about? I'm crestfallen. I'm like, what the Jace. fuck are you talking about, dude? And he's was, just like, I, so then I, he explained I, what tangents I, were to me, and I'm like, so now I do. Every time I buy a piece of OA now, I scan to see if there's tangents. Yeah. yeah, once once you once you understand what they are, and you and you can and you kind of hunt them out. It's like you never stop seeing them. It's like yeah. You can't, it's like, you know, once you buy a car, it's like now you see your car everywhere. For sure. It's, it's like that with tangents for me. It's like people yeah. send me through and I'm like, now there's no reason that that finger should be touching that border. Exactly. Your panel board. Exactly. Like, like just, just scoot that thing over an eighth of an inch and you're fine. You yeah. know? And I, and I mentioned Superman last week flying through a panel and, and, and it's just, that wasn't a tangent, though. But it's it's still something that 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 drew my eye and and just it it cut the it would have would have been a really nice looking panel. But mm-hmm. continue. This is science, Dap. This is this is science. Now, the cover the cover is not. I mean, I, the, the the smoke on the star. Those are definitely tangents. But everything else, I think, is is is, is fine. The two is not centered in the in that circle. It's oh, too, yeah. it's too actually, far down. Actually, yeah, right. yeah, and <laughs> no, seriously, and and if, see, if yeah, I had to art, no, if I had to art direct this, I'd be like, why is Emmett's sword not at the same angle as that slice through God country, through God? The the angle of the sword should be the same exact angle as it's close, but it's not the same. And and on the sea, there's another tangent. See how the the, the little billows, the one. Um, deep part of the billow just touches the arc of the inside of the sea. Oh, yeah. Knock, yeah it kills yeah. me. I can't have that. It just, <laughs> Actually, there's another one. There's another oh, one. Oh, no. I'm blowing this guy up. Yeah. Another oh, one. The if billow you next to the – oh. Well, on the sea, again, at the sea, the the the, little, the top cap of the sea that goes into yes, it, yes. For the cloud. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we can – you know, I'm sorry, but I mean these are just – These I, are minor nitpicks. This guys, is a unanimous yes. praise for this book with the exception of the cover. I mean you but should – it's just fantastic. Everybody should know though – like we'll, we'll go ahead and caveat this. This is something that artists – we nitpick ourselves. Yes. So, like, uh, this is not, we're saying like this book, sh- you know, this cover shouldn't have been published. That's not, you know, no. n- nothing like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Everything's but, good. uh, so it's inside the book. Wow. I mean, it's just, wow. it's fantastic. Emmett's fate, Emmett's expressions when, when he's holding his granddaughter mm-hmm. and he's like, damn, that's a pretty name. I love the light in his eyes. Like this guy is awake and animated and he's woke. He, he, he's, he's woke. He's woke. No, I see, but I, I always have to preface my comments for this book. Like, I know what it, what it means to deal with a person with Alzheimer's. My mom has mm-hmm. it. So yeah. for the, for the chance of my mom getting my mom back, like the person that I go to see every couple of days, that's not my mom. It's a shell. There's something yeah. inhabiting this shell and animating the shell, but it's not my mom. Mm-hmm. And and to to get her back by just putting you know a wand in her hand that would be amazing. Like I'm too attached to this book. I, right. I that's the kind of, I will I will freely admit that this is yeah. like a dream of mine to have this happen. And and this family has got it. So it's like I'm I'm so I'm buried in this book right now. And the fact that it's visually 
and and, and um, narratively fantastic. I'm going out of my way not to say that a word, David. Um, <laughs> it's just the icing on the cake, right? I I I, I feel for the characters. The, the there's power. There's a little bit of Kirby in this book too. You know, with the with the the, the larger than life um, uh, characters. And, uh, wow, I, I did not expect to, that this would be, would grab me to this extent. What do you think? Who are you asking? Oh, collectively, everybody. We're not going to talk at once, bro. Why don't we hear Dap's perspective on it? Um, I think, um, like we're talking about, um, with, damn it, not, um, there's another image book we were talking about recently where we praised the artist and the writer, uh, but we also had to make sure that, um, the colorist got, uh, got, got, got equal Hello, praise yeah. and Jason Wordy, cause I'm looking at e- even, even on panels that are just faces with, with, with blank backgrounds behind them. There's, there's gradients, there's just, just the color gradient. It, it's not just, you know, orange or, or yellow. There's, it, it, there's something extra in the backgrounds of, of sure. the colors just pop, but, mm-hmm. um, the art is absolutely fantastic. Um, the, uh, after I read the second issue and it's, I, it's not, it, it, it's 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 not an original tale. Uh, uh, someone finds a a a a weapon, a a a relic, and mm-hmm. just the story isn't new. But the the tweaks on it, I I really appreciate because yeah. it's 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 an old man who's 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 suffering, and um, it's you know. Like, like Vince's mom, I had to, I, my, my grandparents, and it's just, it, it, it's, I don't think it's a book that is going to be for everyone, and, and there are probably going to be some readers who can't, um, understand what the characters are going through in this book, but the, uh, I think the moment that, as, I, I love reading superhero comics, and, and, and I love reading things that are, Set in fantasy, and when you have some otherworldly being, this this godlike creature, come down and 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 ask for the weapon, and and I mean that that's cool right there. But the moment that I I was hooked with to see where this is going from here on out was when uh, when he's asking if he gives up the sword, is he going to go back the way he was? Because yeah, it's it's not. I can't, I can't fix you. So once, once you give up the sword, you're mm-hmm. going to go back to the way you were. And, and, and he, even though it hurts him, even though he, he's, he's pained by the loss of his wife, losing her, that's, that's part of him. That's, he, he needs to hold on to that. He can't get it. it it's a shitty feeling, but it's not a feeling he's, he's willing to give up. And that, I just, there's a lot. I mean, he's got his family and he's got his memories, and and now it's just he 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 dug his heels in. He's all in, and I, I 
where, where, where the hell is going to come raining down. I don't, I, I don't know where it, it's, I know where we're kind of going story wise, but, but now this is all about the journey. I'm not even, I, I, the destination may be quite clear, but I'm, I'm, I'm along for the ride. Right. So right. it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great look at package. I mean, it's, it's visually stunning. Um, and I mean, I, I, I like Kate's work on, on Ghost Fleet. I'm, I don't know, um, how personal this story is. I, I, I don't know mm-hmm. if he's dealing with any family members that are, that, that are dealing with dementia, but it's, it's a, um, it's, it's hitting all the right notes for me and it's, 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 it's got its hooks in me. Yeah. You guys are making a compelling case for me to rethink my thoughts on this one. Oh. Well, right, I'm gonna keep it real. Uh, so first of all, Art, Jeff Shaw, uh, this is the first interior work I've seen Jeff do. Um, but he is a uh, fellow Felix comic art, uh, artist, uh, a la Scotty. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually have a couple commissions from Jeff, and we met him a couple times. He's a cool dude. Um, so I'm with you on the art. Uh, big fan of the art, all, all components of it. Um, tangents aside. Um, so no issues there. Um, I thought, bluntly, that the second issue was... Uh, it's like dude was... Hit the knocks off the starting gate in, uh, in, in Fast and the Furious... And then, like, once he got to the third city block, like, the brakes went. I mean, like, the, the engine blew. Like, I feel like the, the second issue, just nothing happened um, to me for me. Like, it was just a, a very long and tedious continuation of the reveal from the first issue. Um, but I have to say that, you know, as you guys talked about the dementia and that aspect of it and the, the power of what that would be like uh, and the realization that you get your dad back or your grandpa back, uh, that is a powerful thing, and, and I think probably more more of our listeners than not have probably had some experience with dementia, most likely your your grandparents, but for some of us, our parents, depending. Um, so this is one of those things where, like, I was disappointed in the second issue from a pacing standpoint, but in no way did I think that I'm not going to continue reading it because I, I, I very much, like, if I'm going to take the first two issues together and roll them up into one, then I'm pleased with what we've gotten so far both visually and from a setup standpoint. So I'm just hoping that like the, the, the change in pace that I felt occurred in issue two is a transient thing. And as long as it's not like just going to be this slow from here on out, then I have a lot of, a lot of hope that the, you know, the first arc ends up being dope. Right. Well, you know, in the first issue we were (sighs) introduced to the Quinlan family, but the Emmett, of that family was the Emmett that was. This issue, it's a new character. We get the Emmett that that is. So we don't know this character. So maybe that's why Kate spent the majority of the issue focusing on Emmett because this is the guy mm-hmm. who was absent from the the initial, you know, we see exposure. Him. Sure, we 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 see him in in the hospital bed while his son is talking to him about the wedding but then we also see him later slow dancing with his wife and mm-hmm. and these are obviously scenes we didn't see cuz everything was pretty much from the point of you from from the son you know i mean the sheriff calls him and and he's what dealing with dad and then and dealing with with that fallout but yeah like Vince said uh, to his point this was this was Emmett's 
issue to yeah. be front and center. Cool. And before I forget, I'm sorry. It, it, since Jason mentioned Felix, it's, it was um, it was Rumble. We were talking about Harren and, and Stewart, how he right, complimented. Right, right, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Good call. I, I'm interested to see how the family, what role the family plays from here. Mm-hmm. Because it kind of jumps from um, it's seeming like their story in the first issue to um, you know these celestials kind of you know wanting the sword back and it being his. So it's, I'm I'm curious to, to ha- what role they'll they will play in any of this um, or, or if they will. You know, I'm a little worried about the daughter-in-law. Yeah, it, it's it's because we because there's the jump from you know we were watching you know them them caretake an old man and and then you know now we've jumped to um him him having you know the uh, you know, Thor like you know hammer sword um and and then there's you know we've been alluded to these uh you know godlike beings wanting the sword back um you know it's that it's that question again not a, not a criticism, just a question of, you know, what's going to be the family's role in this moving forward, you know, because they, they have not elevated power wise. And so, you know, what, what's good, what will the story be, you know, when, when this guy is fighting gods, like what role is, is, you know, a granddaughter going to play or what role is the son going to play or the, the, the daughter-in-law, um, it's going to be an inter- interesting in, to see how they approach that. Yeah, I think that uh, Dina is going to get powers along the way mm. because if if you look at the the meeting between all of these family members, Emmett doesn't hug his son. He doesn't mm. em- embrace the daughter in law. It's the granddaughter that that he's all over, and then she's like. Isn't Grandpa's sword pretty? That's a really pretty sword. Oh. Like she has, she has an attraction to that sword already. I mean, it's, she's a kid. If 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 you show a kid a gigantic magic sword that the blade looks like it's float, well, it doesn't look like it is. The blade is floating between right. the hilt. You know, a kid's going to be like, "Whoa, that is so cool." But I just thought it was it was notable that the grandfather is just like he he doesn't even at this in the beginning of the issue it's like he doesn't even see his son and his mm-hmm. and his daughter in law mm-hmm. it's all the granddaughter so there's got to mm-hmm. be something along the line where this kid either has a major role in the story or maybe picks up the reins from grandpa like at some point maybe he does drop the sword and she's going to pick it up and fight for grandpa and then give the sword right. back to him or something i don't Better know than dropping the soap not in right <laughs> I sometimes drop the soap on purpose. Of course, I you bet do. you do. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so yeah, God Country number two, number two, numero two. Yeah, what y'all been reading? Um, well, that's not Scotty. No. Oh, let's do it, man. You run the show. Do it. I, I, I have been reading. Um. I caught up with Black Hammer, so I mm-hmm. read all those issues recently. I think you guys have talked about that a little what bit, right? Uh, I enjoy that. It's fun. It's, it's, um, you know, I, you know, I, I enjoy kind of, um, I enjoy that kind of, I don't want to say campy, cause he's not really approaching it campy, but it's very, 
on the nose kind of superhero-y, cosmic-y, you know, like Abraham Slam. You know, like all yeah. the names are very – again, I don't want to say camp. I, I can't think of the word that I'm looking for, but there's something very kind of like classic throwback comic to that that series that um, that I really enjoy. It's not pretending to be – you know, it's not like, here's my version of Trump. You know, like, you know, it's just like, oh, this is a comic, right? Like, I, I really, I dig, uh, I dig Jeff's kind of, uh, group of characters he's dealing with. Uh, I really like, um, the, the, the space guy. I forget his name. Uh, the, the character who kind of like seemingly is going through like the weird dimension. Like he's, he's on a whole lot of planes. He's like obviously crazy a little bit, but, um, Really digging Black Hammer. Uh, this week, Riley Rosmo, I'm only about 50 or 60 pages into it, but Riley Rosmo put me onto a book called, it's a graphic novel called Heart in a Box, I think. Okay. Well, by whom? Have you heard of this? Let me see. Hold on. Um, yep, it's called Heart in a Box. It is, uh, from I want to say Dark Horse put it out. Maybe. Yeah, Dark Horse put it out. It's by Meredith McLaren. Actually, let me go. Let me let me get back up here. Hold on. Um, Dark Horse put it out. It's by Kelly Thompson and Meredith McLaren. And the premise is it, it kind of has like um kind of has that I call it a webcomic style. And I don't want that, I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying that in a derogatory way, but there's, there's kind of that flavor of artwork of a generation who came up kind of watching Disney movies and reading manga. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so it's kind of like a interesting hybrid of that. So a, a little bit of an animated, anyway, so it's got kind of a webcomic flavor, which I really dig. Mm-hmm. But the premise is this girl, um, basically gets her heart broken, like has a breakup. And has a broken heart and it gets really, you know, in that moment of frustration says like, Ugh, I just wish somebody could you know, take my heart away. Like, just get rid of this stupid thing, right? And a guy, like this guy shows up. So she's like, you know, basically to grant the wish and says, okay, we can do that. And so basically takes her heart and uh, divvies it up. And, and so over the course of the next couple of days, you know, at first she's really excited, like, oh my God, like, that, this is great. There's like peace and quiet. Like, she's sitting there. Oh, it's there. Kelly Thompson's book, right? Uh, yeah. Is that, is that who it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what got her, like, I think this is what the book that got her, like, the Marvel gig and the gem gig and stuff. Okay, yeah. Uh, cool. yeah. I've so, heard about it. I haven't read it. It's yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, just, illustrated by Meredith McLaren. Cool. Yeah, it's written by Kelly Thompson. And yeah, art by Meredith McLaren. So yeah, it's, 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 uh, this, she wishes that she could get rid of her heart and a guy shows up and, you know, kind of in that, that fantasy way where he's like, okay, I'll grant your wish and, uh, takes her heart away. And at first she's like, oh, this is great. It's so quiet. Like, you know, she feels the relief of like not feeling pain and mm-hmm. that, you know, heartache and stuff like that. But, you know, after days she realizes like, oh, we, you know, we our hearts for other things. Like, like, you know, she likes nothing now and there's, you know, there's no passion for anything and she's, she's kind of dead inside. So she, the, you know, so she realizes like, okay, I need my heart back. And, 
she calls the guy up and he shows up and, and he says, well, well, like, you know, I've given, you know, the, your, your heart's kind of scattered out there. So she has to go out now and hunt down, you know, her heart, I think is divided up into you know six or nine pieces or something. And oh, nice little quest. Yeah. She's got to go now and kind of hunt down the pieces of her heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, get those back and absorb them back into her, her being. Um, and like I said, I, I'm about, I'm about 50 or 60 pages in. So I, she's, she, I'm a, I'm at a place where she's gotten a piece back, but, um, it's really cool. It's such a, you know, the, the, the dialogue is really great. Um, you know, there's a real naturalistic flavor to the dialogue and it, there's, I think it really benefits from being a graphic novel. Um, and I don't, I don't believe it was ever like single issues. I think it was, I, I don't know if this was ever a webcomic or not, but it, you know, it definitely is published here as a graphic novel. And it, it's one of the books that benefits from that because it allows space for the, for right. the care, for the characters to just, uh, you know, you know, uh, babble back and forth with each other and, 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 and take time for the, for the characters to have a little banter. Uh, which, which sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're restricted by 20 pages that, you know, there's a real economy to space and, and, and not letting your characters get too long winded or whatever. But there's some real, there's some real nice little back and forth and character moments here that, that, um, she's really good at writing. And I don't know. I, th- I think it's a really interesting premise. So I was, I was glad Riley put me onto it. It's, uh, it looks like, um, as you're talking about it, Google, uh, has a the first sixty pages are available for preview. Oh wow, one hundred and eighty. So if you, I mean, if, right. if our listeners want to get a sense, the uh, the art's real interesting. It's uh, it's definitely it's um, it, it, it look. I know what you're saying about web web comic-y. Like it 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 has like thick thick lines, like car- real cartoony, but like thick. I mean, kind of a little manga-y, but like I don't know, but very angular. It's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, like like I said, there's a, there's kind of like um. Again, I, I don't mean this in any sort of derogatory way. I, I hope people mm-hmm. aren't taking it as a pejorative, but it, it really is like, you know, there's, it's, it's, um, you look at a kind of the younger generation of artists, if you look at like, and I don't necessarily mean even like they've actually done web comics, but I mean like, you know, people who have kind of made their name on Tumblr or, you know, posting things on the web mm-hmm. or like, you know, like, like a Bab Star comes to mind a little bit, you know, like when, Years, you know, a couple of years ago, Casey and I were walking around Heroes Con and my wife and I, and she, we stopped by Bab's table and we're talking to her and, and really dug her stuff. And, and, uh, and in case, in case it was like, you know, we asked her what she was doing. She was like, Oh, I, I, I just found out that I think I'm going to get back girl, you know? So we like, we're talking to her at that point, but there's a little bit of that, you know, a little bit of that kind of flavor running through those younger generations of those, those up and comer kind of like beast artists where they've had a real, uh, uh, meld of those styles of a little bit of, uh, anime, a little bit of manga, a little bit of Disney, a little bit of like, you know, like very, very strong cartooning senses. Um, and again, I don't even know if this is, you know, I, I bring up Babs and I don't know necessarily if, if that's her influences, but there's a lot of that. And, and what I'm saying with this is when I, when I check this out, I'm like, Ooh, this is kind of falling into that flavor for me where I'm feeling like there's a, there's a strong animation vibe, mm-hmm. but there's just, you know, but still kind of falling in that animation, anime, manga, Disney kind of flavor. Um, but really digging it. 
Yeah, respect. It looks good. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna grab the uh, Comicology's got it for eight bucks. Sweet. I think I'm gonna give it a whirl. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, that that's something. Uh, Riley really Riley uh, suggested that, and I was really really happy with it. And, um, other than that, just like you know, Seven to Eternity. You've been reading that. Yes. I mean, be keeping up on that. That's, that. that's maniacal, isn't it? Like the, the, it's, Opinius is. <laughs> dude, he's, he's a beast for sure. Whew. Uh, he's definitely insane. Um, I started reading, finally, like, started reading Deadly Class, so I'm a couple of issues into that. Oh, you uh, haven't been reading that? Uh, I, no, I just, like, I piled up Black, I read Black Science, and so that was kind of my, that was my Rick book at the moment. Um, but I'm kind of glad, like, I like when I, I like when I sleep on something for a while, because, uh, you know, I let everybody else get really excited about it, and then when I jump, jump in, I've got, you know, four volumes to, to read, yeah. you know? That's always fun. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Well, as you, as you probably, I know you listen to the show, so you know that Vince uh, finally caught up on the Deadly Class. Well, yeah, that's why I'm kind of excited because I'm like, I had, fi- I finally just decided to jump in and, and that's what I was saying where like, I've heard everybody else be like flip out over it. So I'm like, oh, this is actually really exciting because now that, that I know that how good it is, uh, you know, I've got four or five volumes of, to, to roll through, you know, yeah. so it's oh, uh, for sure. Well, it's, it's just one of the things where like, you know, it was my, it was my book of the year last year. It's just like I, when you take a step back and you think about all the stuff you read in the last months or years and you think like, what's the thing that just got me Jones every time I read an issue. And that was it for me last year. Right. That's a book that transcends genre because mm-hmm. I, I'm not attracted to crime. It's true. Very mm-hmm. much, but it's so well written. And yeah. the, the twists and the turns are so unexpected that I was just like, I can't not love this book. It's mm-hmm. it's it's got me enraptured, right? Oh, Wes Craig is so good, and that's your fault. So I blame you. Wes Craig <laughs> is so good. He is. He's very good. He's good. Uh, I'm going to keep it real, like Jason. Okay. Uh, I think most of us have read this book. Um, this time around it was written by Peter J. Tomasi and uh, somewhat somewhat illustrated by Neil Adams <laughs> Hi-Fi did the color it's the Commandy Challenge number two number two see that was a comic it was a what's that website uh, comic what's that big popular comics website now um, I don't know <laughs> Multiversity Multiversity um uh, that, that was their comic of the week, and I'm like, "What? Oh, really? Was was week spelled W E A K? Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> it, it does feature a, a, a very beautiful cover, a main cover by Kenneth Rokefort, who nails yes. it on yeah, on, nice. on yeah, all that. That. on all fronts. But um, yeah, Dap is right. That's where it kind of ends. Um, if uh, you heard us talk about Commandy Challenge Number One, you know that it's modeled. Uh, the series is, is modeled from the DC Challenge book where a stable of creators will do one issue and try and write and draw the next stable of creators into a corner. They have to pick up the reins and it, the cliffhanger and proceed with the narrative. And in this case, I thought Tomasi did a good job. He made an interesting story. Um, all of the dialogue was authentic to to, to Kirby's creations. It, it 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 read to me like uh, somewhat like a vintage commandy issue, um, but the visuals I thought were really off. I thought 
um, Adams is better than manipulated pencils. That's what we got here. Uh, they're they're darkened pencils in in Photoshop, and that to me is just. I don't usually mind that when it looks very good, but this does not look very good. It's it's mm-hmm. it's gritty in all the wrong places, and uh, arcs are pixelated in some spots. And it's just it just looks unfinished to me. Uh, the gist of it is, I'm not going to spoil anything because I say I thought the story was kind of cool. Um, Commandy uncovers some crazy furniture and is pursued by a couple of bloodthirsty robots and he gets uh, some information on this world's strange past is kind of implanted into his subconscious maybe that'll play out hopefully in 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 subsequent issues but you know it's it's an action packed issue but visually i don't think it does the job mm-hmm. um i mean if 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 the goal is to honor Kirby's creation, then this does not meet the challenge. No. Yeah. Now there are a couple of pages that are just way uh like when uh when Commandy sits down and that you know what and and then Ikanis is yelling toward there's just there's a lot that hurts my eyes with this issue. Yeah. And and there's some some panels, I, I, I had to put you guys on Slack today, and I just, I, I, I thought Neil just kind of recycled some old Crazy Man pages from well, his, continuity. No, and I didn't even laugh because you're absolutely right. His command, yeah. um, Neil Adams's Commandy is Crazy Man. It, he looks exactly like him. Um, now who, okay, so next month, issue number three is by the, Excellent creative team of Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. Right. So I'm, spe- um, I'm expecting greatness. Yes, I, especially with the, cli- the literal cliffhanger at the end of the second issue. Um, I think that uh, that Jimmy and Amanda can do good things with it from here on out. So I, I, I know I we've had three creative teams and two issues so far, and it has. Is off to a rocky start, but we still have ten issues to go. I don't know who a lot of the upcoming creative teams are, so um, I'm, I'm hoping that we will still get some solid issues as as the series continues. Um, yeah, I thought. I'm the... not... No, go ahead. I, I'm not. It, it's it's weird. Normally, you know, you, we. We pre-order, you know, three issues and, you know, by the time you read the first one and you know you ordered the third one, you'll know, yeah, I'm not, I, I, I can't go any further with this. But because this is a unique series where every issue is done by someone different, um, even if the plot more or less is the same for all 12 issues, you, you really don't know, you can't judge what's going to come in three months to what you just read. So it's, it's difficult for this particular series, unless, unless you were just, don't like Commandy or or some of Jack's creations, and you're just like you know that I can't I can't get with any of this. So then I can see you know you may be kind of dropping it, but it's it's I don't know you you really can't say with this book. Yeah, I know where they're going, so I don't need to keep going. With it. No, you couldn't possibly know where they're going because right. the, the the next creative team doesn't even know where they're going. Right. Um, I thought the batarangs were a nice touch. If they were housed in this 
this uh, ho- uh, hall of weapons, which is cool. You know, if you know, batarangs are neat. I I like seeing Harley's hammer and Superman's cape and Green Arrow's bow and quiver and Wonder Woman's shield. Like that it's all. Like, it's like the Maestro's trophy room. Yeah. Well, no, that all plays upon that one issue of Commandy where you know Superman's costume is is a is a, a narrative tool of just fleshing out this. It, it works, right? I didn't have a problem with that. It's just, uh, Neil, you know, it, it just pains me. It pains me to see this. It does. Because who is the biggest Neil Adams apologist of all of us? You, sir. Me. I will, I will suck it up for Neil Adams and take the hit. But this is just, I mean, I cannot back this up. I can't. Yeah, yeah some horseshit. I mean, and even when he he's being the three panels on the one page when uh, uh, the the okay, eye, uh, the when when the, the actually no, it's just four panels, but they're the, he's being fired on, and he's like, "What the hell?" And then he's like, "Okay, no weapon," and he just tosses the. It, it's like there's no. It, it was it. I'm not man. I I so no. You're right. And I try to, I try to give him every time. I'm like, oh, okay, Neil, you know, and I'll, I'll. You gotta right because give, he's I'll, he's I'll, one of the one of the maestro. Exactly. Well, he was, he was. Right? Yes, I mean, you know, and and I, I, yes, I do love Ribbon Vince about it, but you know, listen, it's like it's, it's like Neil Adams. Like, okay, I'm, I, I'm going to give it a shot, and and maybe if, but it's it's one of those things where I just I keep getting burned. Yeah, it's true. Let's put this into perspective. I have a complete bound set of every book published by Continuity Comics. I love Neil Adams. I, yep. I, I just think he's fantastic. I love Megalith. I love yes. Armor. Yes, Me- Armor, Megalith. I love, <laughs> you know, even at their lowest point, those books were still pretty. This is just, it, does, it doesn't work for me. This, I'm sorry. It, I, I shouldn't. It, this is a, as a commandy, Fan and as a Neil Adams fan, this doesn't work for me on any level other than the story. Mm-hmm. Kudos to Tomasi for for pulling it out, but nah. If we have nothing else to say, let's get on to something we loved. Yes, do we? Let's, ha- uh, let's shout out a little a little one shot. Oh, I would love to oh. do that. I think I know where you're going. Yeah, our uh, our our friend friend of the show. Uh, former guest, Mr. Gabriel Hardman, yep. put out uh, a one-shot uh, called The Belfry. And uh, he says right in the book that basically, you know, he's been working along with his amazing wife, Karina, on their uh, image book, Invisible Republic. And it's a long-form story. And uh, as he says, it's a very complicated, layered story, which we can attest to. And while they love doing it, it you know, he just got to the point where he wanted to take a break and do something completely different. So he put out a one shot and it's a little horror book called The Belfry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's just a pleasant surprise. And, you know, it reminds me of, um, I mean, completely different genre, but it's like when, uh, when Otley and, uh, he put out the, 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 uh, the, uh, the shark, um, what was that book? Uh, you know, that one shot, the, uh, yeah, uh, the shark versus grizzly bear thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. But like, and again, totally different genre. But the point is, like, guys, like creators, just every now and then saying, you know what, got an idea. It's a simple story. It can be done in twenty twenty five pages. I'm just going to put it out. And I love that he did that. This is a horror story, and 
Um, not only do I love the idea of the whimsy of it and the format, but, um, you know, as, as folks who are intimately familiar with Gabriel's style, this is a lot raw oh, by his own division. Yeah, yes. It, he just lets it go. It's, it's, it's much scratchier and, uh, much less finished at the edges by design. It, uh, he just let it go, man. It's just like he sat down for a few days and just had this in his head and got it out of his head and put it out there. And I love that. I really do love that. It's, you know, those that know Gabriel personally, like he's a pretty restrained dude, at least publicly. Like he's pretty, you know, one could say he's like reasonably, like even tightly wound, right? Like I think that's fair to say. Um, in many ways, and uh, this book is like anything but that. And it was it was a nice it was nice to see. Yeah. I wish we got a glimpse into this from more creators. You know, like just just every now and then surprising us with something that's just totally aside from what we're used to them, used used to them doing. Yeah, I'm gonna break it down a little bit. Yeah, please. And I agree with everything you said. Um, the story uh, you got Bill. He's a, a co-pilot uh, of a down plane. And he, he kind of slips back into consciousness to find his captain, presumably dead, with a, with a giant branch sticking out of his eye socket, mm-hmm. um, and a naked female something lodged in the, in the plane's windshield, right? Yeah. So, you know, he checks on his passengers and, and the crew, and, and they're unresponsive, so, he, the thing in the windshield comes to and and pursues Bill, and it's a vampire, right? So she chows. Well, it, it is a vampire, but to, I, I first I thought it was like a harpy because it looks like a harpy to me. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it's it the, all all of the vampires in this book are pictured as if in mid transformation from humanoid vampire form to their bat form. So they kind of look like man bat, right? Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. they're they're not. The, and the only th- thing that differentiates them um, from being human is their facial features. Like they have wings like a bat, but the rest of them are pretty much human. Other than their faces are all. You still see the titties. You oh, see and you kudos to Gabe for not, yeah, for not like you know drawing bullshit clothes on them just because that's yep. how they would have. Right, to fall there's if they were transforming. There's full frontal in this book, yep. like male and female, right? Yes. So so full he's 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 savaged by the vampire, which. I, I got that's my one nit, and I'll pick it after we're done, right? So he's bitten, he slips out of consciousness again, and he wakes to find all the passengers in the crew present and accounted for and alive. It's like what the 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 captain is sitting there with the giant branch sticking out of his eye, and he's speaking, he's cognizant, he's aware, he's talking like, and and none of them, neither Bill nor the captain have any recollection of what caused them to drop out of the sky. How did they crash? How did they survive? They don't know, right? So so Bill takes it upon himself to examine the, the, the jungle surrounding the plane, and he finds it littered with, with human-sized bat creatures. And, interestingly enough, there's a bunch of other plane wrecks around, various models and, and makes and, and vintage of planes. Um the, the the captain expires. I won't say how. Uh, Bill goes down into this cave-like structure, and he locates. He actually finds his missing crew and passengers, and they're all naked, and they're imprisoned. And why? By whom? That's the hook of the book, and I'm not going to spoil it. So you should read it. But the thing that bothers me, and it's not Gabriel's fault. It's it, this is how vampires are depicted in fiction. When a vampire bites you, it tears your throat out. 
to to drink your blood. The, the two puncture holes bugs the shit out of me because it's like, what are your are your teeth straws? Like, do they, are they hollow? Yes. That bu- yes. that bugs me, right? No, there's. I, I don't know if it was. It, it, there is. There was a. I did read a story where yes, it's they. they the the fangs are hollowed out, and that's how they suck the blood. But if if the goal was to proliferate the species to make more vampires, then I'm down with the casual bite. Right. But if the vampire's feeding, it does not care whether no. you live or die. Nope. Right? So why would it why would it just go to the neck? Why wouldn't it just go where there's you know more meat? It's yeah, you've got a chicken leg in your hand, you're not nibbling, right? You are chowing down. This is good. Right? But so whatever. But Hardman's art in this thing, oh my god. Like I'm I, I, I don't hold back. I think Gabriel is miles above the garden variety illustrators out there like he is so far removed from these his style is impeccable if this book could fit perfectly back in the day within the warren publishing um books if if dark horse's creepy looked like this number one it would still be published number two i'd still be buying it like this is – and the fact that it's a done in one is is even better. I thought this issue was exquisite. Like everything, the typography, that that first panel with the, 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 the type is amazing. The way he just mm-hmm. went in there and just fucking bang, just dropped it down. And the, the character design, the, the, the marks that Gabriel is able to, to, to eke out of a brush, it, he mesmerizes me. I, I love Gabriel's art. I, I, I've always said that, right? This book I thought was a, a winner from from start to finish, it, and it's it's got the O Henry ending, you know, yeah, the, that the little twist at the end. The, it's very Tales from the Dark Side. It's, it's it is, really, yeah, no, it is it, right. Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Dark Side. It, it, I think it, as Gabriel described it. It's a it's a little, uh, just a little expression, uh, pulpy expression from his id. Right. Yes. It's not pretty. It's it it shouldn't be pretty. There's nothing pretty about this story. It's it's visceral. It's raw. Um, uh, if you if you are a fan of horror movies, there are a couple of panels in here that let you in on the fact that Gabriel is too. Like um, when um, well, I won't say, but but when when. Something happens to the passengers and they go from one state to another state. There's a little tiny panel that's American Werewolf in London. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's that, it's straight out. I mean, this is Gabriel. Yeah. This is a love letter. I, this book I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish it was in black and white though. Or, or at See, least. I don't know. Like I a duo tone. There's, it's not. It's not super vibrant, and it's not it, it the, the the colors. I mean, I, I read the the PDF review from Image, and, and it's not like the I, don't, I can't imagine the colors bleeding through the paper. It it seems to be just enough color where uh, I really do think that the color, especially in in, in the during the the frenzy and and I, because some of the the type that the, the fonts are in like, like like that first panel you mentioned with all the yellow it's i think i don't 
think this would have had the same impact. It would look great in black and white, but I think for me, um, especially when, when Bill's walking around with the flashlight and there are just certain things here that, that I think needed the color to, to get the full effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, hand drawn type. Let's be specific. That's the way to do it. Um, but I, I kind of don't agree. I, I think this would have been perfect black, white and red. Like, like the Grendel stuff. But I, I don't think the color adds anything to it. I think it's a, it's a distraction in, in some spots from Gabriel's brushwork. Mm-hmm. But that's, again, that's just being like itsy fartsy. It, it is what it is and it looks good the way it is. But I would have really liked to have seen it black, white and red. No doubt, son. Yeah. So we're all unanimous. Scotty got quiet as fuck. He probably didn't no, read it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't read it yet. I don't have the, uh, I saw that it came out, but it, I mean, it just came out today, right? Or yesterday? Yesterday, yeah. Yesterday. Yeah, I, I just haven't had time to read it yet. Yeah, it's fucked yeah. up. It's fucked up in a good way. And you're right, uh, you're right, Jason. There's like, mm-hmm. this, when you talk to Gabriel, he, he, he maintains a, a certain baseline. Like, he gets excited, but unless you, you know, you really know Gabriel. The, the, his excited is like more everyone else is like normal. Yes. You know, like so the fact that there's like rampant nudity in this book and just it's it's very raw and it's it's uh, I, yeah, I, I can only imagine the time it took him. But knowing Gabriel, it, it was pro- it probably flowed pretty freely. And it, so I, I'll call it immediate. But I mean, it's. It's it's a very savage, very very mm-hmm. uncompromising book, and that's well, really not Gabriel when you talk to him. What's cool is that uh, he shows that in 2014 he did a commission. Yeah, um, that was the impetus for this. Yeah, wow. it was just a, a commission of a couple of people, like cops or investigators, like walking up upon a dead body on the road, and it was a it was one of these vampire creatures, and they're like, "What the?" Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty neat. I, I love the shapes he makes with that brush. I love, yeah, I love him so much. Mm-hmm. There you go. What else we got? Well, you tell me. Well, how about that old guard, number one? How about that? Uh, I got it. I haven't read it yet. All right. Okay. All right. We won't. Well, the the boys, because they know how to tug at my heartstrings, <laughs> um, said you got to read this because... Uh, homeboy is channeling Eduardo Riso. Yeah. I, I, I want to say he. I want to say he might have been his assistant at some point. Leandro. Yeah, I think I so. See that. Well, I can yeah. definitely see it because the, these guys yeah. are right. I mean, it is straight cut from the. Yeah. From the Risso camp. Now I will say, keeping it real, I very much enjoyed the art in this book. Like, so I don't want to demean what. Like, I don't want. I want that as a caveat here. Right. But he's no Risso. He, dude, yeah. he's, dude, he's close. Come on. He's, no, he's, no, 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 there are no, no, no. some. No, he's, he's, he's good and he's definitely got the homage, the style. And like I said, I did really enjoy the art. Especially with the women, but the, some of the men, not yeah, so Yeah, but the faces aren't right. tight and right like Rizzo's yes. are. Well, exactly. you know, remember I talked about the discipline that for, for, yeah. uh, Leandro yes. was the artist on the discipline. Yep. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's fantastic, but. But no, I like the art a lot. And you know what? Actually, honestly, I think the colors don't do the art that many favors. I agree. I would love this. This is a book I would love to have seen in gray tones. I think, yeah. I think that, that would, 
that would make Leander very, even more like Rousseau. Yeah, yeah, yeah but y'all, y'all know, like, y'all know that, like, like a book just can't, it just won't work in gray tones, right? Like, oh, you mean commercially? Yeah, I mean, oh, somebody mm-hmm. goes to the goes to the shelf. Like, again, like average Wednesday comic book shop shopper mm-hmm. picks up a book. It's black mm-hmm. and white. It's gray tone. It, it's nah. It's a lesser than book. Like. There's a reason that there that is that is not the main. I mean, again, like we can't use Walking Dead as an example. That's an exception. It's not. Sure. It's not the example. You know, like there's just a there's a there's a reason across the board that that happens because it's it, there is a stigma to that that level where it's just like oh this is a lesser than book. You know, yeah, right? I'm thinking while we were talking about the Belfry and then now into this, Scotty was sitting there going. Damn, I'm gonna teach these boys a lesson. I'm gonna set them straight because <laughs> of the color. You know, you're thinking, man, you just you're not seeing it from a market from a from a, like a, a publishing standpoint. And we, well, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see it from that that viewpoint because I'm. And I'm, that's the other problem, though, is we're not even in a place where it's even cheaper anymore. You know what I mean? Like right. mm-hmm. there used to be a time where that was cheaper, but that's not even really the case anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's negligible now. The pr- the, the savings to go gray tone to full color so it's even that's not really the thing but i mean you know it's it's hard to stand up i mean it's the same with it's the same with movies right like you know there's a reason that all movie you know you're not going to go see half the movies you go see aren't going to be black and white movies because there's a standard and there's (laughs) no don't (laughs) but you know what i mean there's just a there's a thing and i think that unless now, if anybody's going to be able to do a black and white book, it's going to be Gabriel, right? Like, I mean, his his understanding of 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 uh, graphic illustrations in black and white are, is fan, you know, mm-hmm. kind of unmatched in in our business. I think so. If anybody was going to be able to do it, it, it definitely would be him. Um, but I mean, I you know, I look at the 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 I haven't read this, but I flipped through it a little bit. And again, if he was not Eduardo Rizzo's assistant, I apologize. I. I Somebody has told me that, so I don't know that this is a fact. Right, right, right. It's something that's been put in my head for some reason. But even if you look at the colors in this, I mean, the colors are even, you know, very much channeling that kind of flat flavor that that we saw in Hundred Bullets all those years. You know, like uh, it's a little bit more. It, there's a little bit more tone than than the Hundred Bullets stuff, but um, I mean, there's definitely the the aesthetic of of Rizzo here. But I don't know. I kind of like sometimes his kind of the 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 unrealistic kind of weird shapes that he gives some of the faces. Right. It, kind of yeah. That's what no, I was that's thinking. What I'm saying. Like I really enjoyed the art. Like I'm not, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm not suggesting that he's failing at the effort. I'm just saying that, uh, while there's a clear homage to Risso and I very much enjoyed the art for me, he's not the, the, the the student has not yet met the master is all I'm saying. Right, right. right. Well, Jason, um, oh. one counterpoint to the color. I think mm-hmm. I think the the procedures used in this book are pretty much the only way that they can color this type of art because, like Rizzo, Leandro's very chiaroscuro. It's either black. Or it's not. That's true. Yeah. Right? So if they went full process on this, it would be wasted and, and unnecessary. So I, I, th- I think they're, they're meeting the art, you know, at where, where it lives. So yeah. I, it's, By the it's, way, it's, props to Scotty. Uh, Leandro Fernandez 
began his comics career at the age of 15, <laughs> first interning under Hellblazer artist Marcelo Frusin, oh. and then under the tutelage of Eduardo Rousseau. My okay. goodness. I feel, I feel better now because yeah. I feel like that's one of those things where if I say that and it's untrue, then it's kind of like, eh, that's a little mm-hmm. low blow. But, I mean, there's clearly – uh, there's clearly some studying underneath. For sure. Underneath, uh, yeah. which is great. I mean, fuck, man. If you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna study under somebody, you know, study Well, I don't know them. what you think, Scotty. I mean, I've, but you've heard me say it. I, I mean, Jason's work reminds me of Latour of, 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 of Eduardo. Really? Yeah. Hmm. That, I, yeah, I don't see that as, mo- I don't, I don't. I mean, not as purely as Leonardo, is not as Fernandez here, but I, but I, I feel like he's of the same school. He might, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. Like Jason's one of those interesting dudes that that um, I, it's so hard to even see where he comes from sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like he draws so so weirdly, and he, like you know his characters are so fugly, yeah, and awesome. Like they like some. It's one of those interesting things with Jason. I, like I, I I've told him like I, I he's one of those rare dudes that I do I, I have a hard time seeing his sources. You know, like the the fabrics. You know, the fabric that made him. I it's hard to see. Um, you know, sometimes I see more of his contemporaries, like you know Chris Bruner and stuff like that. There's there's stuff that those you know those two came up together. So there's yeah, no, I see Bruner for sure. Yeah, there's similarities. There's similarities in those two's work. But then you got like it, Chris, like Visions, who's like to me is like a mashup of like my food and those guys. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, think- I can see. I can see people coming from my food. I mean, my food's been around for Jim's been around for so many years. And, yeah. And yeah. Really had multiple styles over those years, but I mean, you know, he's, he's a vet, man. I mean, I mean, I, re- I I'm going to be straight up honest. I remember looking at Girl Scouts when I was yep. working a, like a cubicle job. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when I was waiting tables and working at like an art supply manufacturer, mm-hmm. like, I remember looking at Girl Scouts like, ah, oh, yeah, man, I'm going to be able to make comics one day if this dude's making comics, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, like, Jim was one of those dudes, like, while he's my, he, you know, he's around my age and we're contemporaries, like, he was still a dude that kind of started doing it so early that I, I used to look up to him a lot. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, just one little tiny thing to add. I think Latour is, he mm-hmm. has, he has the heart of a fashion illustrator. He's beholden more to the line, whereas Rizzo, is ruled by the shape. Yeah, man. I, well, you guys know. I mean, Rizzo's one of my. He's on my oh, right. He's great. I, I, I just love the guy so much. I just, yeah. I just think he's. Well, Rizzo's guy. Rizzo's also doing something that 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 you know where like Latour Latour is really good at you know like nailing moments and then compiling them. Like mm-hmm. you know Latour doesn't really have original pages because he just draws all his stuff and then like puts pieces it together. Oh, that's, I um, love that approach. Yeah, so I mean, like you're never you're not going to go look to Jason's house and look at, you know, like a whole issue of Southern Bastards on mm-hmm. on 20 pieces of paper. You know, Southern yeah. Bastards is going to be all over the map. It's going to be on this sheet of paper and that sheet of paper and this panel's going to be here and that. But, you know, where Rizzo a collector is, that drives me nuts, but <laughs> right. Uh where Rizzo's kind of a different beast, right? Because Rizzo really he seems to look at things as a page. Like yes. the page itself is the art, you know, like, mm-hmm. which is, you know, like another reason why I like Bocello so much is, is he often, you know, he often looks at the entire page as, as, uh, as one, one entity right. and then it's, then it's broken down within the, the, the whole, 
So uh, Rizzo is one of those guys that I think is really – that's one of his biggest strengths is being able to look at like a sequential page and and, and he's really seen that thing from beginning to end as one complete piece mm-hmm. of work. Yeah, but you you can't say that Latour's pages suffer any oh, because not of his approach, no, 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 right? No, no, no. No, 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 no. But he, you know, Latour is like, I mean, any good artist is still making an entire page aesthetically pleasing, but, you know, Latour is still, uh, for me, you know, sequentially storytelling. And that's, he has a overall design sense and, you know, the, the character and the acting and the, and the overall tone and mood of things are, are really winning the day for him where, um, you know, when I look at a Rizzo page, like he's working a puzzle out. Like mm-hmm. Rizzo, Rizzo's often, often looks like he just composed a little puzzle for you. You know, like where, you know, an elevator shaft will be going down into a, you know, a restaurant scene into a street scene. And, you know, that might happen on the same page because he's been able to like bleed everything from black to white to, you know, he, he just has such a good grasp of, of doing that, which, um, again, it, you know, this is not comparing one to the other, saying one's worse or, or, or better. It's just saying like it, it's it's always been interesting to me to see Rizzo's work and look at it as he really sees the whole page. And like you know, I brought up the same thing with Bocello. He was one of the guys too that one of the first guys that I was always like, man, he. When I look at a Bocello page, like that page right there is a piece of art in itself. Like everything flows together as kind of one harmonious image, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So what do we think of the story? Because we've been busting, we've been busting on. I mean, we've been uh, breaking down the art a lot, but um, you know, first issue of a. Uh, uh, I mean, the, this, the premise, the elevator pitch is there are uh, a number of immortals. There's a woman, and uh, she's the leader, and then she has three, you know, dudes that work with her. Not quite sure. I don't think we quite know why she's the leader, but they have gone through the ages. I mean, millennia. It seems like. Um, they're immortal, uh, have Wolverine-like healing factors, and appear to still make their livings by being, you know, hired guns or special ops people. Um, and throughout history, they've fought in lots of lots and lots of wars. But there's something about the chick. She's a nymphomaniac, but it appears as though she continues to sleep with different people with the hopes that one of them will be the quote-unquote one. And we don't know what that is. But I suspect it has something to do with her immortality, right? I suspect that, that some, somehow, some way, by sleeping with the right person, whether it's by falling in love or maybe having an orgasm, I don't know what, but something like will will change her and maybe make her able to die. Is my well, guess right? But, well, orgasm's a little death, right? So maybe right. I mean, but you would think, considering old girls had sex for thousands of years, she's hopefully had at least one orgasm. Jeez, yeah, God bless her. But uh, <laughs> um. You know, I don't know how to say this without sounding like that guy, but the fact that the focal point of this issue is a fully fleshed out woman character, a female character, and it's written by Greg Rucka. I was just kind of like, you know, again, you know, it's... <laughs> you are that guy. Yeah, no, that that's guy. it. It's like the the story was fine, but I I came to this party more for the art than the story. Okay. So, I mean, I find the art fascinating. The story is just, yeah, it, it does the job, but not in any kind of notable way. It's, it's, it's there, you know. I dug it. See, I dug this up a lot. Okay. Well, like, like, like that she shows up after banging out a dude. She shows up with her crew and her crew's like, we got this mission. 
and it's with these pe- these dude this dude I used to work with at the CIA and now he's solo. And she's like, nah, remember we don't ever do repeat jobs. We never. We never work with the same people. And then they pull at the heartstrings and saying, Yeah, but there's kids involved. Which apparently she's like, Oh, okay. So she breaks her own rule. They meet up, they take the job, and it's to raid this this uh place which has supposedly been held hostage and a bunch of kids were taken hostage. They roll up in there, take care of business, walk in, there's a whole crew of paramilitary people that light them up and shred them to pieces with machine gun fire. And you see that you see their bodies riddled with giant gaping wounds and they doesn't stop them because they're like Wolverine. They heal up, take everybody out, but no kids. And it turns out that uh, the whole thing was a setup to record them showing how they're immortal. And uh, it was sent out to the internet. So mm-hmm. basically it blows their cover. Apparently they've been in hiding. We don't know why they're in hiding, but they've been in hiding trying to keep themselves under the, on the low, low for a long, long time. And we get the hint uh, from the, the B story of the issue toward the end of the book that, uh, they may, well, in fact, they aren't the only immortals. Um, and, uh, I imagine that's going to play heavily as the story unfolds. I, I thought it was, inter- I thought it was real interesting. It was like the 18 meets, meets, uh, meets like immortal gods. I don't know, like Highlander, like 18 meets Highlander. I was, I was down with it. And, and I realized that me getting on Rucka for writing vivid female characters is like busting on Stephen King for writing horror. Like if, if you're good at it, you know, do it. But at this point, it's just it just seems like the same old to me. What'd you think, Dad? Uh, I didn't get to read the whole thing before tonight. What I did read, I uh, I really dug. I like the art. Um, I like the setup. I'm going to have to um, get familiar with with all the players, but. Um, I, I like the idea. It's, it's it's another one of those image books that doesn't really feel like it. It's 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 an image book. So um, I yeah, has got you know we we enjoyed Lazarus and and there's um, and even his big two work. So um, I like the idea of of him working with the interest of this way he gets to draw the pretty women and, and Rucka gets to write them so it seems like it'll it'll be a good team um, and I, I I wasn't sure if I was sold on the premise but it's um as I was flipping through it it I don't want to say it was growing on me but I, I it basically any um the views I had were all for naught guys it's a team meets Highlander that is a win. <laughs> Maybe in some books. Is it movie A team or is it TV show A team? Whatever one makes you happy. Oh, okay. It was good. <laughs> Damn. It was it was very good. I give it two big thumbs up. Second panel is the best of the book. Where she's she's uh in silhouette on the yeah. bat on the battlefield yeah. and uh you see the the, the, the bandolero or whatever that is on her, and she's got gore dripping from her legs, and she's got these boots on, but most of it's in silhouette, silhouette, and then she's just like loving every second of it. It's that's a great panel. Mm-hmm. All right, let's yes. move on. Okay, what else we have? Uh, you tell me, Scotty. You didn't you didn't post your uh, your reads this week? I posted some of them. No, you didn't. I sure did. 
you posted Ed the Happy Clown. I did. I wrote. I I, I reread Ed the Happy Clown for probably the the eighth God, country the, the eighth or ninth time. Um, have you ever read Chester Brown's uh, masterpiece, Ed the Happy Clown? Uh, for the third time you've asked me this, no. <laughs> You, you need to get on that. Listen, once. Dap, you, ha- you haven't read it either? I don't believe so. Good God, so Scotty. You listen once and two, Dap. Scotty. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to let you down, brother. Oh, my goodness. You knew Scotty didn't read that shit. You know Scotty didn't read that shit. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. Oh, wait, wait, I no, did not Vince, know. Vince, when was this published? 84. Yeah, no way. No. Three, yeah. 84. So you said, so yeah. Scotty was saying, if you didn't old, say 93 yeah. then or above, then no. Yeah, if, no it, if, it came, if it came out before Youngblood, I don't know what it is. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, it, it, oh, boy. Um, it was originally serialized <laughs> in the pages of uh, Yummy Fur. Chester, <laughs> yeah, Ch- Ch- Chester Brown. Of course it was. Yes. Of course it was. And, and he was um, – very interested in the surrealists, but he does not mm-hmm. consider himself a surrealist. So he the 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 story actually starts off with a number of short little pieces. He didn't have the mm-hmm. full the full um, scope of the of the tale fleshed out. In fact, it wasn't even a full tale while he was doing these these short stories. There, how do I put this in 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 digestible terms? There's a man who cannot stop shitting. And and he just loads up this toilet, and he just cannot stop shitting. And and, and there's stuff piling out of the toilet. There are rat-eating pygmies in the sewers that have become a concern. There's Ed the Happy Clown, who has many things, really bad things happen to him. But he kind of pulls those little tiny vignettes together into a story where... Um, Ed the Happy Clown um, lives in this world. It's it's another dimension where Ronald Reagan is president. Okay, and um, you have Chet, who's a middle aged man uh, who is having an illicit affair with this woman named Josie. They get together, they bump uglies, and you know. Chet was raised in a very by a very religious mother, and she would read to him passages from the Bible and 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 uh, tell him regale him about the lives of the saints. And one of the saints was Saint Justin, who who learned through very hard ways that one has to remove from their lives the source of the thing that separates them from God, from 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 religiousness. And one day. Chet's hand just kind of falls off, and he doesn't know where his hand is, and and he equates his hand falling off with Saint Justin, and that you know the the illicit affair he's having with Josie somehow relates to him losing his hand. So um, the hand is found, and Ed is somehow implicated in this crime uh, of of the hand being removed from Chet's body, and it, the hand is sewed on Chet's arm in a haphazard way and it's just flopping around and you know it the, the tendons are not connected so it's just just a big chunk of of meat you know st- uh, st- uh, stitched to his the end of his arm and while he while Chet and Josie are doing it he savagely murders her just 
chops her throat out. She dies, and his hand is magically attached. So while Josie dies, her 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 incorporeal soul meets Chet's dead sister, who informs her that you know she's not quite dead. Um, she's going to come back. So Josie comes back as a vampire, and there's a farmer who discovers a portal to another dimension in one of his fields. And because this dimension, they don't dispose, they have no sewer system. They don't dispose of, of waste in the same manner that we do. The president, who is, is Ronald Reagan, decides to pump all of this shit through this dimension. And that's where the part comes in with the man who can't stop shitting. His anus is a portal from Ed the Happy Clown's dimension to this other dimension. And somehow during the transfer, Ronald Reagan's head gets grafted onto Ed the Happy Clown's penis. <laughs> His, the head of his dick is Ronald Reagan. This is, I mean, and Ed and Chester Brown was making this shit up as he goes along. But when you read it, no, no, seriously, (laughs) dude, when you read it, it seems like the most logical thing in the world. Like, oh yeah, if there was a portal to another dimension, of course they would drop all the shit through it because there's just piles of shit lying around. Um, and the pygmies have a prophecy that someday the penis god will come <laughs> and bridge the gap between humanity who they fear and loathe and like there's there's two old ladies in this book that have a license to hunt pygmies and they go down into the sewers with the sole purpose of killing pygmies um it's it's really bizarre obviously surreal stuff but it's done so beautifully like frankenstein's monster appears in it at one point um Josie and Ed team up, and Ed's wanted because he has the the head of the the president of another dimension on his penis. But they're interrogating the penis head Reagan thing, and Reagan you know, there's a, there's another there's a scientist that bridges the gap between his dimension and Ed's dimension. And when he comes over, he's really 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 small, right? He's he's one of the hosts of the Adventures in Science show. He's really small, and and he they're interrogating his dick. No, his body. He's small. Oh, that's why the head of Ronald Reagan is tiny. It's Ed's dickhead, you know, in this world. But another the other world, Ed's dick well endowed, or is it small? He's not bad. He's not bad. But his dick talks, and when when he pees, he's got to pull back Reagan's head. Like he's got to pull the tip of Reagan's head, and Reagan literally vomits the urine. Like he's he's pissing, but he's really vomiting, and like Reagan doesn't like it at all. Obviously, um, so the the scientist comes over, and they're 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 talking to him like, "What's it like on your world? Like, fill us in because we want we you know we want to get this down." And and he mentions that everyone on his from his dimension are homosexuals. Which raises the question, like, how do they reproduce? I guess begrudgingly, but the people in Ed's dimension find that a, an incredible affront, and they they just want to destroy everything from this dimension. Like, we cannot have homosexuals on our planet. Nope, unnatural. No way. They're all going to die. And it's so like then that's where the conflict comes in. It's an amazing story. I, I can't believe you guys haven't read this. Like, let's get on this stuff. This is a classic. I got one person in my corner that I know of, Will Pfeiffer. He's probably like, yes, 
it's true. It, this is a very amazing. I said it because it's true. Book, but <laughs> I, I have the original Yummy Fur issues. Of course, what I have read is the subsequent drawn and quarterly um, restoration of it. Like some of right. it, some of it was was censored upon the time of publication because you know the uh, Vortex originally published it. They got a little cold feet. What with the president's head being grafted onto a penis. And um, yes. so now this fully restores the way Chester Brown originally intended it to be published. And there's a bunch of stuff in the back where Brown goes into each, um, you know, chapter of the book and fleshes it out and the production notes and what he was thinking at the time of, of the creation of this book. And it's all very insightful, especially if you like the work, you get a, 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 a richer appreciation for what it took to publish this thing. But after reading Brown's notes, I can almost guarantee you that I would not get along well with him. Really? That, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, because well, you wouldn't get along with the you wouldn't get along with the guy who makes the book with uh, dickhead. Humans. No, you would think that this would be, he would be like my my lost brother. I was but say, that would seem like right up into no. Head. He's yeah. very he's very. Um, uh, like there are a number of times in the addendum to the book where he'll say, yeah, I thought I was this, but I read a couple books on the subject and now I realize I'm this, you know, like he's very quick to, to change his viewpoint on things. Like he's not a surrealist and wanted nothing to do with surrealism when the entire book is basically a manifesto of how to do a, an awesome sur surrealist comic. You know, mm -hmm. and so it's just, a, and, and he has these recriminations over this girl that he was dating at the time of the publication of the book who pushed him to, to go in a certain direction. And he just laments over the fact that the relationship didn't work out like over and over and you hear it all. It's just like, dude, let it go. Like I'm, I'm a very move on type person. Yes. I've had some hardship in my life, but I've moved on. Like I don't, I don't berate myself for the bad choices I've made and the people who do like who dwell on this shit I don't tend to gravitate towards the, that kind of person and he sounds like the person that I mean um, uh, he's a phenomenal artist and I, and I adore everything he's ever created with the exception of underwater but it doesn't seem like he'd be the oil to my water in other words yeah yeah, but I mean, I, I think this is one of my top ten. Ed the Happy Clown. It's like one of the books that I reread every six or whatever months, just to rem right. just to remind myself how good of a story it is. It's it's totally. It. See, I have I have no excuse. I, I remember seeing ads for Yummy Fur in, in old comics journals, things like that. So I mean, I, I'm familiar with Chester's work. Um, I haven't read a whole hell of a lot, but oh, it's um, phenomenal. I I. You asking if if Scotty or Jason ever read it? I mean, I knew where that was going. Like, there's an honest, <laughs> there's an honesty behind Brown, where he in if you've well, you haven't, but there's a story called The Little Man that he wrote and and drew. That's basically he goes into great detail on the way he masturbates. Like he would flop himself over a chair and roll his penis between his two hands like dough. That's how he masturbated. And it's just like that kind of honesty. I admire that, but the 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 the, the man behind the work. I don't want to. I don't want to know him. I, 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 I the work. Yeah, I, I love the work. So, 
And I maybe I'm being a little too hard on Mr. Brown, but it just sounds like he's too, just a little too, little too touchy feely in some right. aspects for me. Do uh, did y'all want to talk about Beowulf or is that? I didn't, I didn't finish it yet, dude. <laughs> What's that? Vince, come on. No, man. Hey, oh, I didn't finish I, it. I stepped up to the Moby Dick, like large. You did. I did. You did. That's why I gave you a whole other week for Beowulf. But mm. No, if you want to read Beowulf no, for next added, week. He added the Happy Clown to reread. No, I, Scott, I, you, dude, you I took that upon myself. Enough. I'm sorry. I'm aware of it, but uh, no, I, I haven't read it. Are you are you at all into uh, David Rubin or is it yeah I have um, the hero books and I have all the battling boy books that he does yes. Um, yes. he like he's really prolific like he this last well, couple these last couple of years he has made a lot of stuff I'm reading I mean, that part of it though is that is that the shit like half the shit we're getting is, re, is reprints and stuff yeah. okay I'm reading that uh, Ether book as well yeah. So he's doing the ether obviously real time. He did the battling boy stuff real time. Um, but the hero books and Beowulf were reprints of stuff, like English translations of stuff he had done in, in uh, Spain before. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, all right. Well, I mean, we, we can hold it off. I, 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 you know, listen, I'm, I'm the world's biggest David Rubin, uh, champion. So I, I, I'm, I, I will table discussing it until uh, my booze finished the Beowulf. But, no, I uh, know it means a lot to you, so I don't want to rush it just to get it in. No, that's cool. Well, listen, as I, I, you know, not to bury the lead here, but as I told you guys, I, I, I think um, I do not, I did not enjoy Beowulf as much as I enjoyed Hero Volumes 1 and 2, but through no fault of her being, I, I think it's more, I'm, I'm not as much a fan of the Beowulf story as I am Hercules. I... I I find the Beowulf story to be very tedious, but uh, uh, like the actual, pro, you know, the original prose work. Right? No, nah, it kind of, so. it kind of is, but you know, yeah. yeah. That that's that's my only downside is I I wasn't really as drawn to to picking this up because I don't I don't actually enjoy the original Beowulf story. Yeah, so, and I feel like it's one of those stories that like ah, you know where would, I just feel like man, a lot of Beowulfs, a lot of. <laughs> No, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm just a mark for for Rubin. So to see an oversized, you know, hardcover with more of his art is the goodness. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I but the story for me is is not, you know, this is not going to be my, you know, reprint of the year, as it were. Even though I love the art, just because I, I just think the story is just kind of there's a reason it's like a thousand year old English story. It's kind of whack, but right. Yeah, I have a question for Scotty. Mm-hmm. And and this question comes from, I mean, there's there's nothing but love behind it, mm-hmm. but but Uh-oh. I I don't Uh-oh. no no I I, I don't, I've never asked you this, but you have you have made an, a beautiful career out of doing one thing extremely well, like Sergio. You are known for a certain type of art. Mm-hmm. That that presses a very specific button, and scores of people just love it. And that's you know that's amazing. That's awesome. But being the creator that we know you to be, who has mm-hmm. many many different ideas about you know in many different genres, do you find that trademark Scotty Young style, the Scotty Young brand? Do you find that to be somewhat of a cage at certain times? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm actually, um, 
I'm in that right now. I'm, I'm, I've really been, uh, I've been in a little bit of a, uh, headspace recently where, um, yeah, really, really, really ready to tell some, um, slow, uh, heavy stories, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I've spent the better part of the last five years telling very fast, you know, bombastic, humorous stories. And, and, um, I still love those. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, there's, there's others, there's other stories that are, that are there and I'm trying to work them out right now. Um, and yeah, there, there are times where I'm like, it's a little exhausting trying to, you know, like what's funny today and what's, what doesn't feel what's funny, but doesn't feel like I'm repeating something or, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, right. I love grew. I love grew, right? I still read grew on nights where I feel like, well, I'm not ready to dive in anything super deep. So I'm going to read an issue of grew. Um, and there's that challenge. That's like, well, how do you make this, you know, how do you re- keep repeating this and make it fresh, but make it the same. And, and, um, I, you know, I think, I feel like, I feel like, Almost anybody in any genre probably feels that way, right? I mean, it's the reason that at some point Stephen King started writing as Richard Bachman, right? Right. Like, it's the reason that you got The Running Man and you, you, you got, you, you got books that he wrote. You know, this is back when pseudonyms were actually, you know, supposed to hydrate. Yeah, they were supposed to hydrate identity. Now they're bullshit. Uh, you know, there's no way to actually have a pseudonym now, but, you know, back then when he, when he was doing it, 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 that was the actual intent was like, uh, you guys know me as this, but I don't want to only be this. I want to, I want to tell other stories, but you won't let me. So l- l- I'll have to change my name. Um, yeah. And no, I, I, I mean, Riley will tell you, like, you know, I've been on Skype recently telling Riley, you know, like, man, I have got, I am right now, like the kind of book, the, the kind of story that I want to tell is just like, a mundane slice of life story. Like I've like I've spent so many years in you know space you know space buddy scoundrel books and Oz Fairyland books and where everything's made up and completely you know raw imagination that at some point like you're kind of exhausted of of uh, you know making up things every you know like with Fairyland as much fun as I'm having it's very difficult to to be you know drawing my 13th issue and coming up with another land and another person and another character and another, you know, species of people or whatever. Um, and try to keep that fresh, but also kind of keep the narrative, but also, yeah, it's definitely a little bit of a, um, I don't know. It's, it's tough, right? Because you feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm by no means, you know, the, one of the, the most famous people in comics or whatever. So, you know, you, I, I don't want to ever pretend like, oh, the burdens of being me. It's not bad. <laughs> it's, you do get trapped in that thing where you think like, do people expect a certain thing from me? Do I have to deliver that kind of thing all the time? And, right. Um, I mean, the artistic component of that is the interesting part to me because I don't remember where I heard it, I, I remember the podcast. I, I don't remember who hosted it. it. May have been Suntress, although it was years ago. I honestly don't remember who, who, who whose podcast it was. Maybe even been like the Nerdist or something. But Jim Lee was on. And look, I mean, real talk. First of all, again, the capitalist in me 
all respect to Jim Lee, dude has found a way to get paid in this business. I mean, so mm-hmm. I got mad at props for him. And, you know, I, I will say, though, with, you know, if I'm being fair, I, I find Jim Lee's art to be, like, super uninteresting at this point in my life. True. And, again, I, there are plenty of other people that think I'm nuts, and he gets obscene amounts of money for his pages, you know, even the stuff he's doing now. So clearly lots of people disagree. But for me... Like, I don't find his stuff interesting because it's the same as it was when I found it interesting right. when I was a kid in the 90s. But but the thing about the interview was, like, Lee was real honest, and he said, I have thought so many times in my life that I wanted to completely revamp the way I drew, but I can't because the audience expects me to draw comics the way that they think of me as Jim Lee. Like, I have to, like, Jim, Lee's, Jim Lee is a thing now, and I have to be Jim Lee. And, like... I was like, well, props for him to admit that, but then I was like, but that's bullshit, man. Like, like, yeah, I'm gonna, I mean, y'all know me. Like, I'm never gonna come out on podcasts and be, you know, say shit against creators or anything like that, but yeah, fuck that. Like, Ghibli, Ghibli is far beyond needing to fucking, and again, I know Jim, uh, we've played cards together, we've had dinners together. Like, I, Jim is far beyond needing to worry about what the fuck people expect from him, right? Like, he's paid at a level, he's paid it, he's at that level that, you know, we all wish we could be because at that point we can make any fucking decision we want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would like nothing more than to have, he, he, here's the interesting thing for me. I would like a Neil Gaiman career. The one thing that Neil Gaiman has done, the, the best thing that Neil Gaiman ever did with his career, is not sign up with a publisher who, you know, was like, okay, we're going to give you a X amount of book deal and you're going to give us, you know, you're going to give us your 12 creepy books, right? Neil Gaiman, Neil Gaiman has a catalog of books that are so vastly different from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's amazing. I mean, he's got children's books. He's got fairy tale books. He's got horror books. He's got, you know, modern, he's got modern fantasy books. Like there, there's such a wide range of, it's because he decided like, I'm not going to be this kind of writer. I'm going to be a writer. And every time I do something, I'm going to do something different. Um, the only way that I think that I'm going to be able to accomplish that. And, and this is my plan in the, you know, in the, in the year, in this coming year is, is to start writing books where other people draw them. Um, because A, I'm not, I cannot, I'm not as talented as, uh, you know, like I'm not a Stuart Eminem who can bust out seven styles that are vastly different from each other and they're all impeccable, right? Wait, like, but before you go on from that, I'm glad you brought that up. You have told me when we've had just like chats as friends, like off air mm-hmm. and stuff, often, like every now I hit you up and I'll be like, my dude, uh, like what new artist should I be peeping? You know, like, and, you always be like, ah, oh, let me get back at you. But then, like, but then you often, when we're talking about artists, you will, if if not every time we've talked about art, you have said, in your opinion, Eminem is like the dude. So yeah, I think I think he's the best person. I he's not my favorite artist, but I think he is the best artist in comic books. So can just just quick, could you break that down? What you mean by that? Because I I love his art, but I I I don't like. But I am fascinated, especially because I think his style is very different than yours. Like, what what is it about his specifically that you that you think makes him like at the top of the heap? I just think when you look at his ability, like if you look at a superhero book that he does, uh, 
it's 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 got that flavor that everybody loves, right? It's like slightly realistic, but still imagine it. It doesn't look photo. It doesn't look photo traced, but it has a lot of that flavor. It has like his storytelling's impeccable, his understanding of illustration and lighting, like all that stuff's impeccable, right? But then he can also flip the script and do a next wave mm-hmm. where it's like this is super cartooned. And it's super stylized and the acting is hyperbolic and it's in your face and crazy and it's over the top and it's, but it's got all this, it's got all the strengths that I did when I was doing serious, like photorealistic stuff, but now it's like super cartooned or then he'll go even base, he'll, he'll strip that shit down even further when he does his indie stuff, like his uh, Russian olive to Dog sick, whatever. I don't, I don't, yeah, red, yeah, I don't know what the name of, you know, like when he gets super esoteric with it, right? He boils that stuff down to even more like super European almost cartooning where it's like, here's just the, the pure essence of, of line and, and character and, and cartooning. And so he's just got this wide range that when you look, you're like, fuck this guy. And, 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 and it's all insanely consistent, right? Like his, his understanding of things and his choices are so intentional that it's 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 beyond comprehension to to me. Like he he just has it down. So like I said, like if you say like who's your favorite artist, I'm never gonna I'm, I'm probably not gonna be like oh Stuart Eminem is my favorite. Um, not because of, of of anything that he does bad. It's just that you know like it's 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 all subjective. It's like. I understand that the, you know, the Beatles are amazing. They're not my favorite group, right? Like they're, they're not my favorite for whatever reason, but I understand why they're amazing. But like Stewart's one of those guys where it's like, you know, when I, when he came on to Star Wars, you're like, man, this dude should have been doing Star Wars the whole, like this whole book should have been his, right? It's just so amazing. <laughs> like, um, or like, you know, when he, like, you know, when, 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 you know, Cassinet. <laughs> like, you know, Bagley did Spider-Man for a hundred issues or whatever. And then all of a sudden Stuart comes on. I'm like, whoa, like his Stuart's ultimate Spider-Man was just like mind boggling to me. He was like, oh, this is so perfect for this book. Um, he's just, he's just, uh, he's just amazing, you know? Um, but for me, for me, I think to, to bust, you know, to, to Vince's question, I think to bust out of that cage for me, it's going to have to be, um, you know, stepping into that reminder role a little bit and, 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 you know, accepting being a writer for a little, you know, a, a, a heavier portion of my career and not, you know, maybe not being the artist as much where, you know, I'm, I'm, I draw the books that I, I draw one book all the time, but that book is very specific to what my capabilities are. I have no, like, there is no, there is no um confusion on my end of of what I'm capable of and what like what level of art I'm able to produce. No, I didn't think so. I mean, I just I understand what I'm capable of, you know. And there are t- there are things that I would like to experiment with and and I think that there are some um heavier subject matters that I'm going to that I can approach with a slightly different style. It's still going to be cartoony, mm-hmm. maybe not maybe not in the humorous way. But it's still going to be, you know, if you look at if you look at some of my sketches and stuff, there's a there's a character that I do, boy, and he's kind of like a kid in a gas mask, and he kind of wanders around, and you know, it's he's a character that I'll draw when I'm like exploring more, you know, emotional moments of my life or whatever. Um, but if you look at that, I mean, there's still cartoony elements to that, but that's still I usually approach that guy, that kid, in a lot more of a, 
you know, it's not a bombastic kind of wacky in your face comedy style that I would do, you know, let's say Fairyland or whatever. Um, so I don't think that necessarily like unique style or cartoony stuff has to be humorous. Um, so I think that there's the right stories out there for me, but there's a couple stories right now that I'm, that I've, that I'm working on writing that I've got a few artists in mind for to work with, uh, that can accomplish it better than I ever could. Um, and, and, and I, I was even telling Riley the other day when Riley and Rosmo and I talk a lot while, while we work and I was telling him that. Um, I noticed when, when I left the art on rocket, you know, and I, I did that first arc on rocket and then I just became the writer and, and started hiring my friends, uh, to, to draw, you know, Jake and, and, uh, Felipe and, and other artists to come in and, and handle the art. Like I felt like I became a better writer because I would write things beyond my capabilities. Like when I write, when I write for myself, I write like for what I'm willing to draw. Like, so sometimes they'll be like, Meh, that's a pretty good idea, but I'm probably not going to draw that. So let's come up with something I will draw. <laughs> you know, like, like, uh, because I understand my capabilities as an artist. So I, I do feel like there's a cage there a little bit, especially like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be 39. So like I'm getting to a place where I, you know, I've got some other kind of stories that I want to tell that don't involve, you know, chopping people up and don't involve jokes and um it's you know after doing rocket for a few years and working on fairyland now for a few years and 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 i'll be working on fairyland for a while to come there's definitely there's definitely some itching for me to to branch outside of just humor um you know i think that it's anything if i was doing a serious book every single day I'd, I'd, I'd wanted, I'd want to laugh a little bit. And I'm kind of the opposite right now where it's like every day that I work, it's about, it's, it's me making Looney Tunes. And, and so naturally there's, there's moments during the week where I'm like, man, I really would like a quiet moment, you know? Right. It's a fun place to be, but not all the time. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's the nature of being a creator. I mean, you're an artist, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like, the, the, co- the concept is, is discovering the idea is really the most important fun part, right? Like, searching for ideas and finally having them, it's like, <clears throat> everything past that becomes a little bit kind of the work, you know? Like, it's like as soon as you, it's funny, right? Like, so I hate fairyland is something that I thought about for years. And, and then when I finally got to the place where it's like, okay, well it's solicited and I'm working on it and it's going to come out and, and everything. It's like all of a sudden at that point that I'm like, I'm obsessed with my next idea. Like, you know, like once you've achieved or you, you've even crossed the line of the current idea, it's like, you think that's the goal. You think, you think the goal is like, well, if I can just get my book a- approved and, and on the, on the, you know, in previews and, and in the marketplace, then I will be happy and I will, I will revel in that book and, and that, that will be all I'll care about for the next five years or whatever. But it's not like that. It's, it's, it's as, you know, as soon as you get that going, um, all your, all, for me, like all I'm consumed with is like, what's, what am I going to work on next? Like, 
what's the next thing? Because I spent all the years like working to get, bring this thing to life. And now once it's alive, you're kind of like, shit, now I want to bring another thing to life. And that's kind of the curse of being a creator because you're kind of, and it's why it's, you know, it's why there's that draw to me now to kind of, um, you know, do the, I would say Jeff Lemire is probably, you know, Jeff's a, a good buddy and, and he's probably the, he's probably something that I'd like to, I'd like to kind of mirror a little bit of what he's been able to do career wise, which is, you know, he's always writing and drawing a book of his own while writing a couple books. Well, I, I could never do what he does, which is write you know, 300 other books, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, but Lemire and Kent, right? I mean, those are the two guys I think that are doing it. Like, they both draw a book, right, and then write a bunch of others. Yeah, and that's kind of what, that's kind of where I'm aiming to, you know, this next year is what I hope to see that happen with me a little bit more, where, um, some of the other tones that I might not be able to fit visually, you know, find some, find some friends of mine that can fill that role and, and let me be able to tell some stories that are a little heavier and, and, you know, a little bit more personal and, and things that, that, um, you know, will not, um, have me just kind of being written off as just like the silly comedy guy or whatever, you know, cause, you know, sometimes, you know, Fairyland does, Fairyland sells really well and it does really well and it's been successful and I'm super happy doing it, but, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that, you know, when people talk about the, you know, the books of the year or whatever, like, you know, that book's not going to, that book's not landing on in the conversation a lot because it's not quote unquote serious, even though, you know, on paper, it's still, it's still doing as well or better than books that are quote unquote serious. But comedy books are often written off as, as like, ah, whatever. Um, so it'd be, you know, it'd be nice to have some books up there that people, you know, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. It'd be nice for me. Um, excuse me, to face the challenge of writing a book, a true ongoing book, you know, where, um, that's a challenge that I want to, I want to, I want to take on and, and, and really get better at, which is, you know, building a story issue by issue. You know, most of my books that I've done so far that are ongoing have, have mostly been a collection of of one and dones, you know, um, Rocket was that, you know, Rocket, I would do like a four issue arc and then basically kind of do one and dones or, or two shots. Um, Fairyland's kind of turned into that, which is, you know, fairy, I hate Fairyland is very much my guru, which is, you know, I kind of had an arc in that first arc. And then once, once I settled in, it's just kind of me doing, you know, my play on genre, you know, and, and doing kind of one and done stories or, you know, two shot stories. Um, all with kind of her having like an overall premise, but you know, it's, it's kind of me. That's the way that I've, I've really, uh, focused my storytelling is, you know, telling stories and kind of being done in 20, 25 page, 26 pages. Um, so one of the challenges I'd like to take on is, 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 you know, telling that big slow burn story that, you know, builds itself over, you know, 25, 26 issues or whatever. Um, there's definitely that stuff. And, and, and luckily I'm at a place where I don't need, you know, I'm not as, uh, you know, it's not an ego thing for me to think, think like, well, like I'm going to do it like all myself. Like those are the things that I'm thinking like, no, I've got a couple artist friends that I could definitely reach out and, and, and build these stories with myself or with them because, 
you know, visually they'll be able to bring, they'll be able to bring a tone that, that will, you know, uh, add a level of emotion and a level of tone and mood that, that I can't hit or, or not even that I can't, this, that, that I'm not, you know, I'm not in, you know, that's not what I like to do when I draw, you know? Uh, but I do like to tell those stories. It's like, I like to draw one way, but I like to watch all these other kind of movies. Like, you know, Fences, Denzel Washington's uh, Fences comes out tomorrow on iTunes. And I like, it's like, I cannot wait because we missed it here in the, it didn't play in very many, uh, very many showings here. But, you know, that's a serious, heavy movie. Uh, and I'm like dying to see it. It's like one of the, you know, one of my most anticipated movies this year. So there's that kind of person in me still that I'd like to tell those kind of comic book stories too. But I, you know, that's not the kind of stuff that I get a kick out of drawing. Um, but I do like to tell those kind of stories. Damn, Vince, you struck a chord. That was my plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back. No, I just, I think you're in a position to like, Gaiman was after Sandman and Neverwhere and Stardust and American Gods where you've built up this legion of followers who regardless of what you do they'll follow you right, right. because um, Gaiman did children's books mm-hmm. after um, uh, Anansi Boys right so I mean he has this group that that will will just tag along whatever he does. So I think now you, you know, you're Scotty Young. You've, you've established that brand and, and you've amassed a certain group of followers who will follow you to go to the next project, regardless of what genre you pick or, you know, whether or not you're drawing it. They see that name and they're like, okay, that legitimizes this for me. I know this person. I know what he's capable of. Maybe this won't be the same, but at least I'm familiar with this. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy into it. So you're well, yeah. I hope I hope so. That's 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 definitely the hope because, um, look, uh, you know, again, like being on the cusp of forty, like if I just wait to draw everything, uh, you know, I'm only going to be able to draw so many books, and I'm already seeing a decline in 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 the amount of drawings I'm able to do a week versus what I was able to do five years ago. Like, um, you know, so that's, but my desire to tell stories is growing. And I think, you know, uh, I had a chance to hang out with over the last year or so, I've become friends with, uh, Aesop rock, one of my favorite hip hop artists and, um, living the life. Yeah. We, you know, (laughs) It was interesting because, you know, we're around the same age and we, we, we kind of had a conversation, um, before when it was shows, we sat around having a coffee and, and talking about, you know, in, in his world, you know, as you get older, you get paid attention to less, you know, it's like, it, you know, he just put out his, I don't know, seventh or eighth album and yeah. it, it's, 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 uh, it's his best album. It's amazing. Like, it's all the years of his skill set and all the years of his ability to become the most honest storyteller that he's ever been um, and, and letting go of needing to be the most popular or the most whatever. And he just made literally one of the best hip hop albums that I've ever heard in my life. And, you know, at, and he's 40, like he turned 40 on, on this tour. So he's a 40 year old rapper who just 
just made the best album of his entire career. But he talked about, you know, like he knows that arguably not only did he make the best art album of his career, like, you know, he's made one of the, you know, better albums of, of the kind of genre that he's in, but because of his age, he won't get talked about in, yep. in his circles or in the magazines or the trades. Yeah. Uh, you know, people half his age who are on their first album will get all the press. And they're, again, this isn't like an ego going like, I'm better, but it's literally like in that world, in that form of entertainment, the young, it's, it's all age based, it's new based versus that is one element of our, our industry that I love, which is nobody cares how old you are. Nobody cares how new you are. Or how old you are, or how long you've been around. If you make dope shit, and you get better at making dope shit, then you get recognized. Like, and you get recognized more and more. So, if it, if over the course of ten or fifteen years, you you kind of hone in on your craft, that's that's all the better for readers, right? Like, you, you know, I, I listen to you guys' show. You guys will say like, oh man, we used to read this guy's stuff, but now he's just on fire, right? Because he is like, he or she has like really molded their craft and really, really like grown as, as artists. Um, and so that is something that, that for me has maybe become very important to, um, not get too focused on, you know, do people see me as an artist or, you know, do I think that I have to always be drawing or, or whatever? Like I'm going to draw my whole life. Do, does that mean that I'm always going to be drawing like the series that, you know, is, is the, the main series that people know, know me for. And I don't want to ever be as egocentric as to think like, well, I've hit the pinnacle and pe you know, people think I'm the baby cover guy. So I'm going to be this baby cover guy for the next 50 years. Like, no, like, you know, people don't remember, you know, people not, might not remember that Rick Remender was an artist and, and, oh, sure. and Rick Remender was an inker. Like, mm -hmm. like he was an inker and, and he, yeah, and he drew in any penciled books and he did and, turtles, he did turtles for all. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like here's a guy who has had many facets to his career and now is known as, you know, one of the most prolific and best writers in comic books. Um, that's exciting. You know what I mean? I, and I think, I think there's a lot of instances where a lot of people that I look up to, you know, again, Lemire's one of those guys, which is, you know, here's a guy who writes like a slice of life comic, you know, like a, a like a sad slice of life comic in Essex County. And, you know, a couple years, you know, years later is, you know, all of a sudden one of like DC's top guys writing superhero comics and now, you know, writes, you know, how many, how many monthlies does he write? 37 monthly books? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think, I think, I think 30, <laughs> 36, 37, yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, I just, I, I like the idea that in comic books, we don't have to, we can kind of reform and reconstruct who we are if we're willing to work for it. You know, um, I don't think that, I don't, there's no, I, I by no means think that like, oh, like, um, you know, a name gets you, gets you somewhere for free. Like, you know, I've written mini series and one shots that have went by the wayside that nobody paid attention to, right? Like I wrote a Mag Magneto mini series years ago and that came and went. Nobody really cared about that. And it, hey, listen, it wasn't that great. I did my, I did my best and there was 
There was great, there was great moments that I loved writing, and there was uh, plot moments that I really fucked up and couldn't get my head around. So, like, but the good thing is, is that happened, and it, it shows that like things can grow and change, and there's 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 like wiggle room to figure out who you are. And and the one thing that I learned from the Magneto series is like, oh, don't ever try to be the, don't ever try to write just like generic like superhero comics like that's what i was kind of, i was trying to fit in with how people wrote those comics and instead of like writing my voice inside of a comic you know um so there's there's a lot of that that i like that you can keep reinventing yourself and keep finding it and keep shifting it um and the, i think that's the only way that i'm going to be like i think that's the way that i've survived all these years is 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 you know, seeing that there is no, there's no reason that you have to remain one person or you have to remain one style. Like, you know, I think there was a period in my career where, um, you know, when I first started, I was just trying to be a mixture between Alberto and Chris Pacello and I was just ripping their stuff off like whole cloth. Um, and, and eventually realized like, man, this, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel natural. And that fell by the wayside. And then all of a sudden there was kind of a kind of scratchier, grittier, inkier style. And then there was the Oz stuff. And now there's the fairyland stuff or the, like, you know, weirdly enough, the baby cover stuff, which is what a vast majority of people probably think of me only as, which is the weirdest thing because I think of that almost not at all. Like (laughs) it's, it's the most bizarre thing. Like I don't even, I'm not kidding you at all. Like that literally is my fifth job. Like, like, like that's a, you know I do three of those a month, um, but that's like the thing that's like the, the last thing on my list where it's like oh oh shit I've got to have I have electric cover due or whatever um, I do this but it, like I, it's it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that like a vast majority of people like that's all that I am like that's all that I do when really to me I'm like that's actually not at all what I do but it's just the most popular thing of what i've done so it, that's been a bizarre thing to wrap my head around as well um but that thing has afforded me i think those those covers what people don't realize a lot is like that thing has afforded me the relationship with retailers to have a have them be open to you know me becoming a writer and me you know those baby covers opened up the door to you know me writing and drawing rocket raccoon and then you know people enjoying that and so you know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, thing, a lot of doors that those uh, weird little covers opened up to. Yep, it's all links in the chain, my brother. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 all random, you know. But yeah. no, nah, it's a good question. The cage thing is a good question because I think uh, I think it's something that everybody falls victim to. You know, yeah. I think uh, you know whoever brought up Stephen King earlier, it's it's definitely one of those things, right? Where like Stephen King is a, it's a, he's only a horror guy, right? But it, He's really, you know, he's written Shawshank Redemption and he's written right. The Body, you know, which, which became, you know, yeah, Running Man. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, he's written a lot of things that are not horror. And in fact, I mean, I, arguably some of his better stuff is the stuff that's not horror. Yeah. It's like, like Dark Tower's not horror. Well, yeah, the majority a, of it's not horror. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like a big epic sure. fantasy book, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say my favorite stuff from him, Joyland and stuff like that, are they're not horror books. They are more like, again, they're kind of slice of life books. Yeah. Um, he's just a flat I, out great writer. 
He's yeah. Runner, yeah. 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 He's really great. It's always frustrating when people kind of like throw him into that, that category of like, eh, I guess Stephen King. Like, no, like, what do you mean you guess Stephen yeah. King? Like, I think like, that has to do with the fact that he's so omnipresent. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's prolific. very prolific. Kind of a prolific writer. You yeah. Pigeonholed as being, yeah. Like writer for the masses, aka for the fifth grade reader level, which is not fair. That's yeah, right. I would say. No, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, buddy. No, I just say that's why I have to marvel at Rick Remender because there was a time in Remender's career where he had done Sea of Red with uh, Kieran Dwyer and Sal Good Sam and he did Strange Girl and he did Triple X Zombies and I'm like, mm-hmm. this guy is never going to get any better than he is right now. I mean, this stuff is phenomenal. It's just, a, it's just incomprehensible how good of a writer this dude is and then Fear Agent comes along. Mm-hmm. And it's like, holy crap. Like he just level, it's like he got the green mushroom. You know what I mean? Like he just leveled up amazingly. And it's just, he keeps putting out stuff where you just think like, how much better can Rick Remender get? And, yeah, and, and it's cross awesome. genre. He's been awesome to watch over the years. Uh, and again, he's another guy that like, as he's progressed, he's become more, a lot more serious in his writing, right? Like, even yes. when, even, even when you listen to Rick, Rick interviews, they've, they, they've changed, you know, like, you know, uh, a Rick interview 10 years ago was, was a lot more bombastic and, and, and dry and cutting. And, and now he's much more introspective and, 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 you know, a lot more similar to the books that he writes, which are yeah. a lot more, you know, you know, uh, you know, black science sometimes reads like a, you know, Rick journal, you know, where you're, yeah. you know, reading about a father struggling with working too much and figuring out how to, you know, have time with his kids and, and figure out, you know, this work. And do I feel like this work is too important? And it is important, but is it that important? And, you know, there's a lot of interesting angles that he covers in a book like black science that, that uh that you didn't yeah you didn't see coming from the dingleberry guy right like the captain dingleberry guy uh but it's awesome that you know he didn't think that like well i established myself as the the punk rock skateboarder guy uh so you know i'm gonna make captain dingleberries my whole life for the last christmases my whole life or whatever right like you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow myself to change and become the guy who tells the, you know, strange girl or fear agent and, and black science and deadly class and, you know, really get into these other, these other facets that really feel a lot heavier and, and, um, you know, are tapping into some things. It's cool to see, uh, you know, somebody expand and beyond what they said they were. And I think that's really the key is like, you know, what I hope that I can do soon over this next, over the course of the next couple of years is like break free of what I've said I am and hopefully have everybody be okay with that, you know, and, and just say like, you know, and, and I think that it comes with the fact that it's like, okay, I'm financially okay enough to take a, to take, to, to take some risks and, and see where it leads. Um, and, and, you know, jump off some cliffs, but, you know, Rick, Rick is definitely one of those dudes that I, I have loved to see in the evolution of, uh, you know, the kind of writer he's become and the kind of stories that he's willing to tell, um, and tell so well, you know? Yeah. Well, we'll be along for the ride, buddy. Well, thanks, dude. No doubt. Definitely. Mm-hmm. But it'd be fun. I was just telling, I was telling Stegman a couple of days ago, he got mad at me because I, like while we were talking on Skype, I penciled a couple pages 
I think I, I think I penciled four pages that day. <laughs> and, and, um, and he was, but I said at the end of the day, I was like, you know, I'd really like over the next couple, like maybe sometime in the next year or two, like I'd like to get to a position where I could just write like three books for a year and not draw a book. And he was like, yeah. Too bad, too bad your books take you so fucking long. Like he was really mad because you know while I'm complaining, I wasn't complaining, but I was like while I was like trying to get rid of the art, you know, I penciled four pages. Well, you know, he was doing a thumbnail or something. Um, <laughs> Stegman, uh, but it, you know, it's un- again, it's an unfair comparison because you know the things that Ryan does on a page are insane compared to like you know my silly ass cartooning, like you know, like. It's, it's, you know, it's, I by no means compare the two, but I do definitely like, I would love, not because I don't want to do the work, but because I really have fallen in love with the writing process. Like, I have, I'm finding on the days where I don't draw, but, you know, it's a writing day where I just put on a score or a soundtrack of something and just sit and write. I'm finding those days to be like rewarding. Uh, in ways that drawing hasn't been rewarding in a long time. And I'm not putting, like, I, I hope that nobody takes that as a thing that says, like, oh, uh, he's half-assing his art. It's not that. It's that the process of making art, and Vince, you know this, mm-hmm. like, the process of making art is so fucking laborious. Like, it takes so long to achieve the idea. Like, because like you have the idea, you sketch the idea, you tight, you clean up the idea, you ink the idea, and the idea is color. And by the time you get to, it's like so. So imagine that twenty-two times, uh, twenty-two times a month, right. right? Like, so it's like page after page after page of like, you know, of trying to like chase that that thing the problem is is you lose the you lose that little bit of that drive when you've done you know four thousand pages right right um four thousand pages that you've lived which not only means the very process of of making the lines for each uh of the of the interior of each panel you take those, I mean, it's everything that you do. Like you live every single line on that page. When you step away from that, that, that page, you're still living the page. You're thinking, okay, I got to ink this page. How am I going to do it? I got to, I, and all this experience is funneled down to that one little stroke. Whereas, oh, yeah. you know, the person that, that's reading it, how, how much time do they spend on that page? Maybe, oh, maybe oh, two minutes, three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Not even. I mean, 30 seconds, you know, right. like sometimes. You know, sometimes a you know look you look at a page. Sometimes that has four word balloons on it. You you know they're on there for forty five seconds. Right. Yeah, it's like you know like a like a you know a twenty two. You know my my Fairyland issues average about twenty two to twenty six pages per, and 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 so you think like you know from conception to completion. You know you're talking thirty days plus of like you know of 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 uh, finishing of working on that, and you're like. By the time you actually are are putting those lines down that is supposed to be the idea, you're so fucking over it, mm-hmm. you know, like right. because like especially the way that I do it is I thumbnail 
Like I write an entire issue and then I thumbnail the entire issue and then I pencil the entire issue and then I ink the entire issue. So by the time I get to inks, I have lived that, that story a few times over and it really, there's nothing. It feels at that point that you're just some sort of like floating, you know, mark maker versus like the way that I feel now when I'm writing is like, and and this is still fresh for me, even though it's like, you know, I've written a lot of one shots and sorcerers, but like in 2014 when I started rocket, you know, and I, and I started writing monthly books, that's when it really was like, wow, like sitting down on that day and just typing, especially when I gave over the art, right? Like when Jake came on and started drawing, like, and I was just writing, there was something like super rewarding about like coming up with a good idea, typing it and being like, I'm done. Like the idea's done. And then when Jake would send the art back, I'd be like, holy shit, that's better than I thought. Like, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like, I understand when I hear writers, like I, when I hear writers say like, Oh, the collaborative process is great. I used to think like, man, whatever. Like, yeah, the collaborative process is, it's got fuck. It's kind of sucks. Like whatever. Right. Like when it was me on the, on the tail end of the collaborative process, you're kind of like, eh, whatever. Cause you're kind of like, yeah, I gotta do this a lot. But as the writer, I completely agree now. Like the collaborative process is absolutely stunning because you think up things and you put them into words and then you give them to a super talent and they bring them back and you're like, holy shit. A, you did like when, when I sent my scripts off to Felipe Andrade, when he would send me art back, I was like, there's no way I wrote this, right? Like, <laughs> like I actually was like, like he made me think that I was like a really good writer. Like I was like, holy shit, this dude is so amazing that he actually fooled me to think that I wrote better stuff than I wrote because he just, he interpreted it in such a cool way that I couldn't imagine the fact that like this, the words that I said equaled what he drew. Um, you know, it's the same with Jake or Brett Bean or, or any of the artists that I worked with on rocket, which was like, you're sitting there typing words and it all comes back to you as like artwork that you couldn't imagine and is way better than what you could have done or, or way better than I would have done. Um, so there definitely is a draw for me over these next couple of years, at least one year that I'd like to take off where the only art that I do is like more for fun, for fun kind of illustration pieces or covers or, or whatever. And I spend a good year, you know, like getting my Rick Remender on where I just like, you know, I write three books or whatever right. and, uh, and, and have some fun that way. Just to recharge. Yeah, just to, just to, just to like find, it'd be nice to spend a year developing a new style for a new book to tell a new story. Right. Um, that's one thing that I've never really been afforded that much is like, you know, really taking time between projects to develop a new way of drawing a book. Like I remember, you know, when I finished Oz, I had already pitched we had about a, a volume of Oz left to do and I had already pitched Rocket Raccoon and, and so that was already going to be my next book. And so basically from the time that, that I turned in the last page of Oz, I needed to kind of start Rocket Raccoon and 
I just remember being like, I felt like I had to go through a crash course of relearning how to draw in a week because I was like, for six years I've been drawing this fantasy fairy tale world of Wizard of Oz and now I've got to go draw this like, this kind of, (laughs) this anthropomorphic sci-fi, you know, like fifth element style world. And, um, I don't know how to do that. Like I have, I've been drawing this one way for six years. Like how do I draw this way now? And there was really no time to figure that out. And I, you know, it's interesting when you, you know, when you hear people comment on books where I don't know if they understand that with artists sometimes where it's like, especially nowadays where artists don't get the benefit of being on a book for three years. Like, you know, when an artist shifts books every five months, like I, I challenge everybody to, to change jobs every six months and see how it feels. Right. Like, like, you know, work somewhere, quit that job and start a new job in a week and perform at a hundred percent and see what happens. Right. Like, because there's always a learning curve. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's yeah. like, yeah. I mean, e- even when, you know, when I was working on Oz and they said, what do you want to do next? I was like, well, I said, I've been drawing like a bulbous, you know, little spindly people for six years. You understand there's no way that I could go and draw muscly superhero people, right? Like, I don't even remember how to do that. <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't even know that I can do that anymore. So there's a, there's a real weird thing that, that, at least for me, again, if I was Stuart Emin and I could probably do anything, but, um, you know, like for me, it's like, I feel like I have to relearn everything. So it'd be nice for me to be able to take like a year off from drawing and, and, uh, you know, just pull my sketchbook out and, you know, find my inner Fabio moon or whatever. And, you know, tell some other kind of stories that, that have a different kind of flavor and see what kind of art styles that I could play with that, that, you know, aren't, aren't built for just being kind of wacky Looney Tunes. Right. But you, you emerged from the ordeal, a stronger artist. Your work on Rocket eclipses the stuff you did on Oz, and your work on Fairyland eclipses your, the stuff that you did on Rocket. So it's like, at each point in the in your in your career, you're just getting better and better and better. Oh well, thanks, man. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, no, that's, that's true. always the hope. Yeah, that's yeah. All right, dude. You don't need to right? Yeah, I'm pretty fucking dope. I don't have to butter up Scotty. <laughs> yeah, he he knows I love him. <laughs> All right, brothers and sisters. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here. If you're going to get comic books, there's really only one place to get them. Where's that? DCBService. Oh, music to my ears. Look at that. DCBService.com, the absolute best in fulfilling your wants as far as uh, forthcoming comic books, such as... The Aliens Dead Orbit by James Stokoe. What? $1.99. Image. Plastic number one by Doug Wagner, Daniel Hilliard, Laura Martin, $1.99. And from Oni Press, Motro, trade paperback volume one by Ulysses Farinas, my man, uh, $4.99. In your travels, I'm going to make this relatively quick. Oh, Lord. God damn it. Yeah. My my love for the the Warren books knows no bounds, and it does this old man's heart very good to see somebody paying homage to that legacy in a fascinating, amazing uh, form. It is The Creeps by Warrant 
publishing. They make no uh, bones about it. They are completely in homage to the Warren books, and uh, it's an anthology. The best artist of Wish is Jason Palos. There is a story in here called Battle of the Wizards. This is issue number nine, by the way. The Creeps, number nine. Uh, Jason Palos, Battle of the Wizards. He is on track now. Take what I say with a grain of salt. There will be another... There there will never be another Wally Wood. But Jason Palos is coming damn close. This uh, story looks like it was plucked straight out of the Wizard King trilogy by Wally Wood. There are barbarians, naked ladies aplenty, sword and sorcery, and Wally, I think, would be very flattered that Jason has come this close to approximating his style. It's just a fascinating book. You know, there's more in here. This Nick Polico is an amazing artist. If you like the Warren books, uh, Creepy, Eerie, Vampirella, and you're not reading The Creeps, you're missing out because this book is, I mean, they're in the zone. Go get it. And and it's just been offered through Diamond. Issue number 10 is offered in the previous catalog. Uh, us uh, long-timers, or we long-timers, had to go straight to the publisher and pay not only the, the five ninety five cover price, but postage to get each issue. Now, you can get it through dcbservice.com and at a discount. You're not paying postage at all. Well, not on the single issue. So do it. Order it. Previews, pr- the creeps, it's in there. Get it. And there's a Frisetta cover on this issue. What more do you want? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, in your travels, um, I catching up on Doctor Strange Ooh. and uh, issue. Number 16, The Return of Dormammu by uh, Jason Aaron, uh, Chris Hollow, and Corey Smith. And uh, that was a pretty heavy issue. It wraps up the, uh, it's, it's, it's the final chapter of basically one hell of a week. In Stephen Strange's life, where he um, hangs out for a day with uh, Satana, and he um, gets driven around New York uh, by the Orb, and it's just it's it's absolutely crazy um, how all his enemies are coming to uh, to attack him. While, of course. There really isn't a whole lot of magic, uh, in the Marvel Universe at the moment. But number 17, I think Vince will really enjoy. That is, um, there's a, uh, there's a, a, a new enemy that was introduced during this, uh, during Aaron's run, uh, Mr. Misery. And he has, or it has possessed someone close to 
Doctor Strange. Uh, issue 17 is illustrated by Fraser Irving. <gasps> and it looks amazing. Uh, but, um, and there is an awesome Mad Thing appearance, Vince. I know that. I know that. Yes, I know you do. Did, uh, did you hear what? the new creative team on Doctor Strange? I heard about the writer. Dennis Hopeless. Wait, no, who is it? Dennis yeah. Hope, as of issue yeah. 21, Dennis oh, Hopeless yeah. will be writing it. And, yes. uh, Nico Hen- Henrichen? Henrichen? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that'll be. Really? Yep. Yeah. Um, that's a major departure. Well, anyone after Bocello is, I guess that's true. Is yeah. tough. Yeah. How are you going to follow Chris? It's not easy, right? And I but, really don't remember, aside from Pride of Bank, that I don't, I, I know that Nico has drawn other things, but I'm, I'm, like, that's just the only thing I know. Um, but yeah, so, so, Sex Strange number 17, and there's a, uh, Mr. Misery really is hardcore fucking with Doctor Strange, yeah. uh, in, in, in this issue. So this, this arc's gonna be a little rough for, um, for Strange to get past, but, uh, definitely if, if you've been, and it's, They've been, you know, five issue stories, but it's been one long story. So I, I think that uh, it's it's been a blast. No, I'm loving it. You're right. It's a great series. Yep. Nice. In your travels, if you are like my booze, um, worn out with uh, Dan Slott's Spider-Man after years of really enjoying it, Oof. but you still love the character, then I implore you to give Spidey a try. Right. By Mr. Robbie Thompson and the second arc, issues eight through twelve, drawn by our good friend, Mr. Nate Stockman, <laughs> who we posted an interview with last week, and a couple uh, images from the book. But uh, Spidey's very simple concept: it is uh, it's Spidey back when he was first becoming a hero, just telling fun stories from back then, uh, and it's uh, the Peter Parker Spidey. Robbie draws him fighting all of his his major baddies: Craven, Green Goblin, Vulture. Uh, Mysterio, uh, it's, it's Sandman. He's, he's got them all in, in his in his arc. So it's a straight Sinister Six situation. So uh, very fun. Love is cartoony. It's a perfect fit for the for the character, and uh, would implore you to give it a try. The first, uh, the second arc is called After School Special, and it is available uh, via trade as we speak. Yeah, it is. Word. Uh. In your travels, check out um, Hillbilly by Eric Powell. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Eric Powell has returned to his roots of self-publishing with uh, Albatross Funny Books, uh, which for people who don't know, that's how the goon got started, was uh, through his uh, own little self-publishing branch called Albatross Funny Books. And, um, you know, eventually went to Dark Horse and had many, many volumes of trades over there. Um, but he has returned to self-publishing with um, his title, Hillbilly, which has got a big uh, eyeballless, blind, uh, hatchet-wielding uh, Hillbilly who chums around with a big grizzly bear. And it's kind of like um, Appalachia. It's like an Appalachian Mountain fantasy book. Um, so it's a high fantasy mixed with Appalachian mountain hillbilly tales. Uh, so very much storytelling style in the vein of 
um, you know, maybe a Hellboy, you know, where where sure. it's not nece- it's not necessarily a linear story where you know this happens and this happens and this happens. It's more you know a character kind of you know popping in and out of a world and you're 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 having like stories be told and and you're getting folklore from different regions and and um you know and, and it's all through Eric's great art. So um, if you were a goon fan. Um, and you've been wondering, uh, where our Eric is, uh, this is, this is where it's at. And I, I, uh, I'd like more people to, to jump over and, and grab some of this. Sure is easy on the eyes. It's great, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Scotty, we had a great time. Yes, sir. As always. This is a marathon always, episode. Three hours and a half. Damn, Dang. son. Sweet. Well, y'all you know when you know when you have me on, I'm going to do some talking. Good, that's right. And, and as always, we thank you for being here. We love you so much, um, everybody. Please, if you enjoyed any of part of this episode, do us a solid. Leave us an iTunes review or uh, review somewhere wherever you got this. Um, come to our Facebook page, or better yet, come to our official brand spanking new website. 11o'clockcomics.com where we are serving up original content that you can only get at our website. That's right. Dap and Jason are killing themselves to, to get to get <laughs> you this. Uh, Zach Crusack. Yeah, Zach too. They're all just tripping over their own feet getting you just original brand new content. So come to the website and as always say goodnight David. Ooh. Good night. David. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, no, he's, you know, I'll edit it. Post up. Don't worry about it. You're funny. You're funny. <laughs> funny. Uh, funny. We love you. This wine. Woohoo. We love you so much. Come back next week. And go read, go read I Hate Fairyland and check out Scotty's books if you haven't already. If you're living under a very large rock and, and you've never experienced Scotty Young, do yourself a damn favor and get in on this man's work. He's incredible. See, and I, I, I caught up on I Hate Fairyland for tonight, but if, if Scotty wasn't so shy, I'd probably ask him a few questions about it, so. <laughs> you know me, I'm so shy. He'll be back next week. <laughs> but we'll have him back in what, 2018? No. Yeah, I guess at this pace, yeah. We got to make a rule every three months, Scotty. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in, man. Y'all know me. I, I got two kids. I I don't have like a. I need something to get me excited uh, once every few months. Dude, it's time yeah. to start going for number three. Nah, baby making, this, dude. This baby store is closed for business. Oh, Jason might have something to say about that. He's all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, we you to go get it done. We some old ass fools. We're uh, we got a close up <laughs> shop. Old, you're like what thirty five? Nah, man, man, I'm I'm telling you, I'm turning thirty nine in a couple weeks. That ain't shit. Thirty nine. Listen, I'm not saying that thirty nine is old, but I'm telling you, like we already have a like I'm thir- get ready to turn thirty nine. We got a one year old, an eighteen month old right now. So yeah, that's that's true. I'm good. Wouldn't you like? like wouldn't you love a girl though? Nah, I'm good. I'm good <laughs> hold on to your nah, phone. y'all can keep that shit. Yeah, no, nah, I'm, I'm like uh, my sister. Like all my my sisters, uh, all my sisters have girls. 
And, uh, one of them, one of, one of them has a teenager right now and I'm just watching what she's going through right now. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. It's a little tough. Dude, listen, listen, I'm saying this like the boys when they become teenagers aren't dipshits too. So like either way, either way we're all fucked, right? So yeah. But I will say it's easier to recover from the boys being dipshits. Mm -hmm, When when you got a girl that's a dipshit, that can leave lasting Mm -hmm. impressions. Yeah. Dude. That's all I'm saying. On Facebook I see a post here. (laughs) Trump become president. I just saw NASA. NASA. Oh shit. A few weeks later, NASA. We found seven planets, three we can live on, and there's enough room for everyone. <laughs> that was good. Oh, That's it should good. be shipping off, yo. Yeah, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad. Yeah, but we got new planets, Vince. Oh, yeah. Great. He'll fuck them up too. <laughs> no, we won't let him touch those. Yeah. We'll see about that. You gotta bring us down with that. I'm not bringing this down. I'm excited. We have an alternative now. That's right. Yeah. New new galaxy. You got an alternative. You Star can afford. Wars you can afford a seat on that ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so can you variant cover? I was going to yeah. say, Dom. <laughs> he called him variant cover. God damn it! <laughs> God damn it! Dad. VC. Holy shit! <laughs> God damn it! What a jerk! The VC. Oh, now I'm a jerk. Uh, it's true. I look at comic book DB. It's like. Very cover, very cover, very cover, very cover, very cover. Damn, son, you turn these motherfuckers out. Well, I've, I've done over 200 now, man. Damn. Uh, Dap gave us an assignment for this week that we didn't get around to. So no, no, no. It wasn't for this week. Oh, uh, wasn't it for uh, this week? Next no, week, son. Dude, I gave it to you. I, 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 next I, week, exposed Scotty. I said it. I gave it to you last night. How the hell are you going to read? I've read it. No, I know you didn't. Dude, well... <laughs> Are, what I'm saying, like, you know, like, like we got nine to fives, dude. What I'm saying, oh, you bad. That's yet? not. No, yes. we're not. We're still recording. No, we didn't finish Beowulf, but, but uh, had time to do the hundred page giant. Do you? <laughs> that's cold. That is so freaking cold. The recording. So are, we're officially done recording. Okay. All right, I, everybody. Hey, we love you so much. Join us next week. We out of here. Wait, let me get the thing up before we say something that's going to incriminate us. And we're done. Peace and love. Really, the liar's in. We are really the liar's in. We are removing their face, collecting their skin. We are reeling the liars in We are burning them in a pile We are burning them in a pile The only true thing, the place to begin Is to burn up the liar pile Now the sun will hide Beneath the ridge tonight Clear flames of revenge Will lick the black sky And I, I will sing As you eat their tongues For I I am the saint who will lead
lead them to us. So I'm reeling the liars in, reeling the liars in. Here is my hand. Now drive the nail in. I am reeling the liars in. Here is my tongue. Now cut out my sin. We are reeling the liars in. There's only one way, one place to begin by reeling this liar in. Beep, 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 be